Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome back to the Car Chat Podcast. On this episode, I popped into MVN, which is a PPF facility in London, and we have a chat with Mr. JWW, the YouTuber, and now also part owner of MVN. Um, if you are interested in James's background and how he got into becoming a YouTuber and all that sort of stuff, we did a podcast back in October. I think it's podcast number four, so go check that out. In this podcast, we just have a good chat about all things cars, uh, his latest like modern classic series. So we discuss the topics of how we feel about, you know, cars from the last 30 years versus the cars that are coming out now and whether, you know, one's better than the other or all those sorts of things. We discuss uh, James's TDF, the 812, the Bentley Continental he's got on loan at the moment, whole bunch of different topics and i think it works out about two hours in the end but hope you enjoy it <laughs> thanks for being so awesome so welcome back to the podcast james thanks uh for those who have not seen or listened to actually this is the first video one you've been on yeah cool it's not the i think it's the number three of videos that i've done but you were on you came on the podcast was it like December, January, December, October, yeah, I November? Was, I felt like it was quite early on in your in your series. It was very early. What episode are we on right now? Uh, we're on like 12. Or okay, something. cool. I think yeah, you were like three well. or something like that. Right, cool. Um, but before then, mm. you were currently in the process of bringing NVN to London, I believe. I was. When we last spoke. Yeah, we were mid-build process. Mm. And... For, I mean, we didn't just hit record on on the beginning of this podcast, so you missed the bit where I said things have evolved somewhat. 
Because episode three of Sam's podcast, we were in your spare bedroom, huddled around a single microphone, yeah. uh, being as careful as we could not to bang the table. So yeah, not that to happened. Make any, definitely any amateur noises. Tapped some fingers on a table and got a, like a dr- 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 noise. Yeah, but now you're like like spring-loaded devices and proper setup <laughs> we and all were, sorts of things. So. We were just talking about this before the podcast started about how it it started off. I think the first podcast I did was just recorded on my phone, and that is seriously easy to do. <laughs> And then if you want to go one step up and start using microphones, it suddenly gets crazily complicated. It's, well, you've, you've brought a mobile studio yeah, in here. Exactly. So, but yeah, coming back around to things evolving, when we first, um, well, when I was first on your show, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if we, if we spoke about MVN London then or not. I've forgotten. I but think, I think it, we like glossed, we sort of talked about the concept of what was going to happen. Okay, cool. So... Well, we're sat in it. We're here. We're here. We are in. So as a spot of context for those of you guys who are thinking, what are you talking about? Where are you sat? Um, how, how long do you like your podcasts? Because it's a bit of a story. We, well, I don't know. Let's just the go. longest is Let's two just... and a half hours. Okay, um, we've got plenty of time. The GoPros normally run out, uh, in Way theory, after like three. What sort of size memory cards have you got in? One, two, eight. Oh, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> okay, so here goes. So... <laughs> Once upon a time. I I think in the previous podcast, we did give a vague concept of what was going to happen. Okay. So here's a a little summary. So here's a a summary. So at the beginning of last year, I flew my 458 Speciali to Dubai for a month. Ballin. It was pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it was a distinctly above average month. And in that time, um, I got an invite from this car care place in Dubai called NVN. NVN Dubai. And... Typically, when I go to a city for any prolonged period of time, normally someone from a similar kind of operation will reach out and go, hey, we've seen you in town. Do you want to come and check out our place? Mm. So backstory being, when I got the invite from MVN Dubai first time around, I was like, I probably know what to expect. I've seen a hundred of these places that wrap cars in paint protection film and car care places, etc. Um, should I go? And I was like, well, I'm here for a while. I'll just kind of pop in and say hello and just with most of these places they are in a very unassuming building on an industrial estate on the outskirts of town even in somewhere as luxurious and ostentatious as dubai paint protection film places are still in a warehouse so i walk up to this place and i open this little red door um and I stepped inside, and I think my first words were, were, it felt like Apple had gone into paint protection film, right? And I'd never seen anywhere like it. And I was caught off guard because I was sort of, I guess, arrogantly thought I had. You know, I've been to Mm. these places in Hong Kong. I've been to places everywhere. Um, And this place was just like stepping into this surgical, clean just refreshed air conditioned box out of the desert right yeah. um anyway long story short uh fell in love with the place fell in love with the owners fell in love with the brand and then they offered to apply paint protection film to my car and it was just the best job i'd ever seen um and they used processes which i'd never seen before and um yeah the the thing that struck me the most with it though was that they had this lounge there and it inadvertently started to act as this hub. Every time I went there, there was all these like-minded people who would just kind of rock up and we'd just meet and chat about cars and life and stuff. And I didn't expect it, but 
over the course of that month, I basically ended up using NVN Dubai as my base. So I would pop in for a coffee. Oh, look, there's someone else with a like-minded you know, approach to life and cool cars. And uh, yeah, off the back of that, that one place fueled the entire content schedule of my month just by meeting the folks there. Um, became really good friends with the uh, founder of NVN Dubai. And then when I got back to England... Um, I half-jokingly sent him a text saying, wouldn't it be cool if we had MVN England? <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, the founder of MVN Dubai is called Nick, and now I call him Quick Nick, because if you give him an idea, he doesn't play around. He's like, that's a good idea. Why don't we do that tomorrow? Um, so I sent this text, because when I got back home, I didn't realize almost how much I'd taken MVN Dubai for granted. That it was just this amazing hub where everyone just met up every day with amazing cars. And it wasn't until I brought my car back to England that I felt that there was nothing quite like it. There's loads of places which, you know, t- take care of cars, but there was nowhere that had the same community-driven aspect. Hmm. And, um, and so subsequently I got back to England. I really missed that. And that's when I texted Nick and was like, how about it? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> screw it, let's do it. Quick Nick, go <laughs> quick, on it. Quick Nick was like, let's do it. And honestly, within 48 hours of that text, um, he was sending me pictures. He flew over and he was sending me pictures of him inside various warehouses all around town, all around uh, London. So, And then the hunt began. And so we were shopping around for warehouses for about three months. So, yeah. And now here we are. Here we are. In, <laughs> here, in the lounge. Are. In the lounge, yeah. In the... It's a Timothy Alton lounge. Timothy Alton lounge. Yeah. So, spot a backstory to that. Um, we always knew that we were going to put extra emphasis on the community thing. Um, but we went to this interior design company called Timothy Alton. Um, I heard about them from when I furnished my house about four years ago and I thought oh, that aesthetic would look cool here yeah. in the time that I furnished my house they just so happened to have launched their flagship store on the King's Road underneath Bluebird Blue yeah that's right so I walk in and it's this like mecca of Timothy Alton design and all of these amazing sculptures and bits of furniture that are inspired by aviation and cars and all sorts of stuff um and we actually went in with the mind to buy some stuff and we on the day we actually did buy some stuff that sofa and those two chairs over there um if you if yeah. you're listening to this either check out the video and yeah. i'll put in some shots or something but also yeah. if you go over to nvn's instagram account yes what is that it's just at nvn london yeah and it's yeah. nvn november Victor November. Victor November, not <laughs> yeah. M. Yeah, lots of people keep calling it NVM for mother or mother, yeah. Victor mother or something. <laughs> anyway, um, so... You'll see some pics. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we walk in and as we're like, uh, sadly, handing over loads of money for these bits of furniture, yeah. they were like, so what's this for? And we told them about this space we're sat mm. in right now. And... What turned out to be, you know, the idea of being in this store for one hour to buy some furniture, we were in there for four hours talking about this project and how we could team up. And it went from buying a sofa to having an official Timothy Alton lounge in London. So they got their 
design team in and effectively built and sponsored this whole lounge. Um, so thank you very much to yeah. Timothy Alton because uh, not only did it save us an arm and a leg, but also we would have never been able to achieve this level of cool. very cool. Without them. So yeah, it's been, it's been great. James and I probably spent... 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20, a long time, <laughs> long time after I got here trying to make a coffee. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a pretty baller coffee machine in the corner. Normally has a barista behind it. Yeah, we have an amazing guy. So our, um, our front of house is a guy called, called Joe. And Joe, um, his, his backstory is fascinating because he, he worked for uh, Geeves and Hawks, who were the tailors on yeah. number one Savile Row. And he looked after the royal regalia and the Queen's Guard. So he literally dressed the Queen's Guard. So his front of house mannerism is just next level, yeah, right? Top notch. And uh, same thing, you know, we were just doing some work with them and he loved this idea. So along comes Joe, right? <laughs> same thing with the coffee. Uh, we got talking to La Marzocco. Uh, they sponsored the coffee machines um the two uh, home units they've got are the two ones that sam was just talking about us trying to use for half an hour we uh, worked it out well i haven't used one yet because joe's so good at it yeah. that um he very kindly makes one for me in yeah. the morning and every time he does it i'm like joe you're gonna have to show me how to use this one day and lo and behold the one day i use it he's he's not in because uh, we are sat here on a saturday evening when no one's in but it was fun it was anyway, amazing yeah. and we worked it out. Yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, so we're now in NVN. NVN is officially open. Yeah, man. For PPF and... Actually, all sorts of stuff. It's evolved sorts. into things that we never really uh, anticipated we would do. So it started off as PPF, which for those of you guys who are watching or listening, thinking, what is this abbreviation you're talking about uh ppf is short for paint protection film and think of it as a, a transparent film that is applied to your car and it effectively protects the paint under it yeah so protects from stone chips uh just general scratches and debris and fallout and even t to a fairly good degree if you happen to be on the wrong car park at the wrong time and someone decides to swipe yeah. a key down it it can save your uh paint so we do that uh, that's the, I would say the core of the business but we also have ended up doing ceramic coatings uh, people have come in we don't actually advertise that we do wraps so we do change the colour of cars but mm. we haven't advertised that we have done some in fact we've done one which I can't tell you about yet which is r really annoying because it's really cool but when it launches I shall be sure to make a big song and dance about it but yeah so we have done that I mean the Rolls, Rolls Royce Cullinan over my shoulder for, for those of you guys who are watching and the, for those of you guys who are listening there is a black Rolls Royce Cullinan murdered which has just become extra black because yeah. he the uh, owner wanted us to take every single bit of chrome and shininess or anything that wasn't black including the spirit of ecstasy and make it black so we've done some of it's been wrapped some of it's been anodized yeah man it's a big it's a big thing. And, and all of these things are really driven by clients. We never go, wouldn't it be cool if we offer this service? Someone will drop a car off for a wash and they'll go, hey, can you make that black? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, all right. Oh, can you do this? Can you do that? So, yeah, man, it's good. And I think for most people in that sort of story, it's, it's like a convenience thing. If, mm. if, you're, if I can just come past and I'm like, oh, my car's getting washed or, you know, whatever, I'm going to leave it with you for a bit. And yeah. you go, oh, by the way, 
can you do that? Can you do that? Can you do that? Can you get the wheels redone? Can you get blah, blah, blah? Yeah. It's so much easier if it's all done in one spot at one yeah, time. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, ultimately, if we can't do it in-house, we have a very good network of people that, that can do it externally. So 90% of the time, we just go, yeah. And we figure it out. Like, uh, we've got this this guy called Carl who's been in the game for a long time sorry Carl if you're listening you know that old mate but he's been in it and he just seems to know everybody um, and he can like you know he can have something done in gold leaf for you if you if you want to and anything from the most intricate embroidery to you know wraps and all sorts of things um, yeah so we've built up this community of people that will feed into it if someone wants something a bit outlandish and bonkers yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's cool <laughs> right so i wanted to ask you about a couple of things that yeah. I, I know you've sort of been up to recently and then you can t- probably tell me about some other things that i don't know about okay but sitting outside yeah actually let's rewind a little bit okay geneva mode show geneva um not well, that you, long you, ago. you want my overall thoughts of that show um yeah, well yeah go, go on just like any standout things sadly not much if I'm totally honest with you, um, I'm I'm slightly biased, but actually this is my truth. Um, I did think that the Aston Martin stand was was the most interesting. The reason I'm saying I'm slightly was it biased. The speaker. It was the guy who was presenting the show was awesome. That guy, you know, he he was pretty good looking as well. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was very kindly asked to present the launch of their four cars. In fact, four, yeah, which was really cool. And honestly. It was an honor, not just because it was Aston Martin, but because for their almost without exception, because there was one rear engine car that they did. It was some like prototype race yeah. car. Um, but in terms of road cars, Aston Martin's entire history has been front engined Grand Tours. Yeah. Um, and they, for whatever reason, decided to ask me to present the launch of their new mid rear engined supercars, which I think. While it's the big deal now, I think I'll probably be more proud of it when I'm 80 and retired and I look back on the history of that brand and yeah. go, I launched those cars. I th- when you look at those cars, so they've, they've released, well, not officially released, but now there's three in the mid-engine range. There's the Valkyrie, the, mm. the middle one, does that have so a name? So there's technically four. So there's the, there's the Valkyrie, which is the road car, and then there's yeah. a Valkyrie AMR Pro, which is the, the track-only car. Yeah, okay. It is... A Valkyrie, but so they're classing so technically it as a separate like six model. If we're going down that route, yeah. <laughs> then they've got zero zero three, which is, which sits under Valkyrie to the extent it. I mean, it's a series. It's still over a million quid. This car, when I say yeah. sits under it, and so as a result, Aston have referred to it as son of Valkyrie, and it looks very similar. In fact, the diffuser on it is more aggressive. It's it's absurd. It's a really cool um, looking car. And we are, I mean, so far that's running a, a V6 turbo hybrid engine. It's like a thousand yeah. horsepower. Um, and it's then kind of like a bit. I think that's a similar sort of chat to the Project One. It's like an F1 ish engine. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and um, I mean, if it was to be available now, it would go up along. It would be up against sort of Senna. It would be a McLaren Senna type of. Isn't it quite a bit more than the Senna? It is a lot more, yeah. But that's where they... That's where they're pitching it. That's where they pitch it at, yeah. Mm. Um, and then and there's then the baby. It was the baby, which... The baby for me, I think, was premature because that car's not going to hit the roads until 2022. Yeah, that's And in time. a way, it reminded me... Do you remember a few years ago when 
Lotus were like, hey, we're going to launch these yeah, seven yeah, cars, yeah. and then nothing happened. Yeah. Now, I'm sure it won't happen with Aston. Uh, I mean, how long ago was the Valkyrie announced? Two years ago. Yeah, Come on, but guys. that but but that car on the stand was a working car. That was their production prototype car, full interior, full interior. That was a working car, yeah. like fully done. And and to be honest, when I saw it, because up until now I've been fairly close with the Valkyrie project, and that was the first time I'd, I'd seen one in a production standard, and it's absolutely incredible. I it's think mind-bendingly stunning. I, I genuinely think. If it vaguely even... It doesn't even have to really deliver on what it says. I mean, it's going to, but it's got the engine. Yeah. It's got the manic looks. That Mm. car, I think, will be the sort of like McLaren F1 of our generation. It's just... Yeah. Just the concept of it wipes the floor with anything that anyone else is doing, in in my eyes. Yeah, I think so as well. You can't beat a naturally aspirated V12. V12. That revs to 11. Revs to 11. (laughs) There's an amazing... There's some amazing clips of that engine banging around. I haven't heard it running in a car, like, under load yet. Um, But if if the test bench is anything to go by... um, I mean, I was speaking with... uh, So Chris Goodwin was the development driver for McLaren for a long time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this guy has, by all accounts, one of the best jobs in the world because he, he travels the world um, either launching cars, developing cars, or taking clients out to try and sell them cars. Uh, pure drive events, track days, you know, super yeah. special stuff. Um, and then in between that, he's working on developing secret projects for the next supercar. And all of these are McLaren supercars. Um, and he told me that Adrian Newey showed him one suspension upright from the Valkyrie, and it was enough for him to go, I'm in. Before he knew anything else about it, he showed him a, a single upright. Yeah, he was like, "This is like nothing else I have ever seen." So, I mean, I've found that you can ask anyone from the Aston team about a single component, as small as a wheel bolt or as complex as the arrow. Yeah, and there's so much story to each component that you just buy into it straight. You're just yeah. like, if that is the ethos of the wheel nut. Yeah. What is the combination of that like, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and right now, we are at the precipice of everything going turbocharged, hybrid, and then ultimately electric. electric. So I and think, then banned. And then banned, <laughs> yeah. And then just forget it. Let's go back to horses. So um, I think for Aston to just go pull everything out with a naturally aspirated V12, it's probably going to be the best engine we've ever seen. Yeah, in a road car, it's just it's just so cool. Mm. But then, yeah, like you were saying, they've they've we've sort of launched three cars. Well, mm. they've got the Valkyrie, then we've got the son of Valkyrie, mm. and then they showed the supercar that's going to be underneath that, which yeah. is like a I don't know what price that's going to be. I'm guessing it's about two, three hundred thousand pounds before options. So in 2022, when three hundred grand for supercars acceptable, yeah, <laughs> it'll be fine. But it looks the the thing I th- I think I had the problem with that car is not it doesn't look bad uh-huh. it looks good but it looked like but the other cars it looks like the other cars yeah. in the sense of the Valkyrie I a hundred percent get because mm. you've got the the bonkers V twelve mm. the middle one yes you're gonna have a bonkers engine but it's not overly exotic but it's not like yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't excite me personally. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I'm, you know, it's going to be completely different for some other people. Yeah. And then the baby one, God knows what engine that could, that could have a V12 in it. 
It could do, but unlikely. I, I believe it's also having the same V6 as 003, less power. And less, like, and, nuts. And I believe, I might be wrong on this, so let's not set this in stone, but <laughs> I think 003 is four-wheel drive. Whereas, yes, whereas I've Vanquish heard this. is rear-wheel drive. And that's the other thing. Valkyrie. No, the, that small baby one at 250, that's the new... Oh, is that the new Vanquish? Vanquish. That's the new Vanquish. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so at the minute it's Vanquish Vision Concept. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a posh name for clay model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that will... So they... Which is strategically why the DBS was the DBS and not the next right, Vanquish. Vanquish. So they wanted to rebirth the Vanquish name on something really To put it above, yeah. Because they were like, this is our most powerful name, so it has to go on something really special I think that fits better in, the, in terms of the line the lineup yeah, I think so. of having the DBS as like the top GT car mm. and then the Vanquish is like something above that yeah whereas I mean speaking with Andy Palmer who is the CEO mm. of Aston Martin he was saying everything now in our in our supercar range begins with a V Right, it's a Valkyrie and a Vanquish and a whatever zero zero three will be. Yeah, you can probably so, uh, yeah just go through some <laughs> just go Norse through names or whatever. Like, that sounds cool. <laughs> when it begins with a V. Yeah. So um. So yeah, and I say that was the most exciting stand because everywhere else didn't have anything new. What, what I mean new, no, I mean everything like was new. a facelift. Yeah. Um. I mean people were really getting wet over that. Uh, the pin in. Frida Batista. Batista, yeah. Um, I was excited until I realised it was a rebodied Rimac C2. It's a Rimac, like, yeah, was it Con- Concept 2 yeah. or C2, which came out last year. Yeah. Not like official yeah. production version, but it is literally that car with a different body on it. Yeah. And there was a lot of people saying that Pin and Farina have done something crazy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, d- yeah they were like, oh, they've no, ripped they up the rule book. What, by sticking a shell on, a, on someone else's car? Yeah. Right, so the, the whole, that was actually the embodiment of Geneva 2019 <laughs> for me. Let's just stick a facelift on on something else, and so it was a bit of a letdown. And, and that actually. that brings us very nicely to um, Ferrari. I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> well, look, I didn't hold back in my content when I filmed the the F8 Tributo. Um, yeah, I know I was. I'm not the only one who thought this was going to be the step change for their next super. I thought we right? were getting a new chassis, a yeah, new engine, engine maybe a hybrid. But I understand why they haven't, and you know that's mm. entirely their decision. Just from like a yeah petrolhead side of me, yeah, so I would have loved to have seen something different. Let's not be around the bush here. This 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 F8 Tributo is based up. And I'm going to, is, is, is basically based on a 458, right? So hear me yeah. out here. The lineage of this platform starts with the 458 because the 488 was a facelifted 458. And the biggest change of that, to be fair to the 488, was the fact that they'd heavily turbocharged yeah. that, that engine. It was a big engine change. Yeah. And so then they came out with the lightweight driver-focused car of that, which was the 488 Pista. And as... Um, Ferrari's history would dictate and life cycle. Now, this is 10 years old now. Yeah, so right? the, the, when did the 458 come out? 2010? 2009. 2000, 2009? Mm, they hit the road in 2010. So it was launched in, in 2009. And then shortly set on fire yeah. just after which, that. Which, <laughs> if you think of this car in development terms, these cars are normally in development for three or four years before they're launched. 
Yeah. So this has been in this this car is old, right? But no, the normal life cycle for a car is is eight years. It's seven. Well, or eight it used years. to be eight years, yeah, and there would is. be like a pre. There's like a middle. Yes. At four. Uh huh. Which is what we saw with the four eight eight. Yeah. At four. That's right. And then and now we've had the the next iteration. The next iteration, but sadly they have called it something else, which I would have cut them way more slack if they'd have called it the 488 Tributo, right? Mm. But an F8 Tributo, and they're saying it's an all-new car, it's just horse. But do you think <laughs> a lot of people, they will 100% sell more That's cars more. because they've changed the name? Definitely. They would Absolutely. definitely sell more cars. Of course. And yeah. most, most people I spoke to when they saw that it had been released were confused as to actually what it was. Lots of people thought it was a special edition Pista. Interesting. Or like, you know, it was like okay. the one after the Pista. Right. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the new base car. Well, that's because that would have made sense. <laughs> yeah. As, as like a final edition, especially being called the Tributo. It's yeah. like a tribute to that platform. And it's over and out from here, right? Maybe. Yeah. But this is their next series production car. And they had, like, but I wonder how many years. I wonder how many years. Well, man. A couple I, of years. I reckon two years. I well, mean, to be fair, they've got to make a spider. They've got to make a, <laughs> a, a, a limited edition track version, yeah. and then a spider of that. Spider of that. Three and then, years. if this, if history dictates itself, a tribute to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a tribute. <laughs> I'm thinking that this is this happened because their hybrid tech probably wasn't quite there yet. That's what I. Read. I know they've had. They've definitely had a lot of problems with that over right. time. Mm. But I, you, you know, that was a while ago when yeah. the laugh came out. I mean, I have n- nothing to back that up. No, I'm saying zero like, stats, zero it's actual just like, facts. It just feels so quick. Throw a body kit on that, mm. right? I mean, even the interior. There are facelifted components, but by God, is it four five eight? You know. Yeah, it's not like. This is a bit of a weird comparison, yeah. but when Audi did the facelift on the RS3 mm-hmm. mid-cycle, yes. and it went from the old-style dash yeah. to the new-style dash well, in a facelift, a that was like, you've basically made a new car. For sure. But this, is, this was not that. This was not that. No, no, no. And interestingly, on Twitter, I said um, something, something along the lines of, it's a facelift of the facelift of, of the facelift. And there was quite a few... Porsche fanboys in there and listen I'm all I'm a Porsche fanboy mm. but they were like oh you know Porsche have had the same design for 50 years and no one cares but that's because that's been their business model for the last 50 years yeah. so that's why no one cares right that is their their entire approach everything but also Porsche has not done three facelifts true they do bring out something new it is new yeah. and, it, and, and to the you know the people that look at it yeah, like like myself, for example, yeah. and go like, oh no, but it's different. <laughs> but they have yeah. they have generally done some stuff different. Yeah, Ferrari just sort of egged it on that one bit more. Yeah, yeah. Look, it'd be fine if the past fifty years Ferrari had been facelifting facelifts. Yeah, but there is an expectation of the consumer that oh, this is now the time where we get to see a radical new car because yeah. that's what they've always done. If you look at the jump from four thirty to four five eight, it was, yeah, it was like. Huge. It was like they found some space tech and gone, they are, lads. Yeah. Have a bit of that. Because that was insane. That, that jump was so massive. And everyone, I think, was expecting, because we're Same 10 again. years on, and tech's changed. And also, you look at the other companies. So you look at McLaren. Mm. And well, the, 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 the 720S is now two years old. 
Yes. Two years old, 720PS, mm-hmm. which is what the F8 Tributo yes, is. is. And there is nothing that if... Okay, just ignore like what your personal aesthetics are. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that distinguishes the Ferrari from the McLaren in terms of tech or anything. The, the only way you would look at it is the, the tech in the McLaren is better. Like it's, mm. it's lighter, stiffer. Mm-hmm. The, you can, you can rip the roof off and it doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. It's got funky suspension. Like, yeah. And... Where, where, where's, where is this? Where, where, where is it? Yeah. Come on, Ferrari, make, like, yeah. make, make the car that I want you to make. What I'm not saying here is that I don't, I don't not like it. I think it looks great. It's cool. And judging by the 408 Pista, which is what it is, hmm. it'll drive amazing. It's going to be a really good car. It's going to be an amazing car. It, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is the expectation of everyone, not just was. me, was yeah. we were hoping for something newer. Yeah, that was it, right? Yeah, and uh, I like I, I like you. I think it will be a really good car. It'll be amazing. I can't wait to experience it. I think it'll be great. It's going to be wicked. Yeah. So at the moment, mm. I don't know whether you're you've got a super fast, not own. Um, Have you told anyone about this? No. What's okay. This? Well, I'll chop that. No, no, it's fine. Keep it in. I have no secrets. No, you're you're currently driving a super fast, aren't you? Yeah, I am. You've got one on loan. Yeah, but only for a short amount of time. I just want to know what your thoughts are on it. It's fabulous. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's, in the simplest terms, it's a comfortable TDF. Yeah. Yeah, which is saying something. And for those video people, I'm yes. sure you've probably noticed, yeah. James's TDF is parked right behind us. My TDF is clean for a change, <laughs> which is cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It doesn't have the same theatre, but it's yeah. not supposed to. It's much more of a... Usable is the wrong word, because that is just as <laughs> usable. It's just with that... I, Funny enough, in the video that I will eventually drop of this... I filmed these two cars head to head. When's that video dropping? Probably a week or so. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Like It's, yeah, yeah. it's cool. But um, I likened it to the TDF being to the 812 Superfast what UFC is to boxing, right? Okay. It's like, the, the eight, if you get in the ring with the 812 Superfast, it will give you a talky punch to the face. Yeah. But in the TDF, you're getting in the cage and yeah. it'll rip the face off. <laughs> and that was, that's like... It's going to beat you on the floor. how it is. Yeah, they, they both go around a similar event, but one of them is just a lot more aggressive. <laughs> what was the... Because I, I haven't been in a Superfast yet. Mm. Uh, or... Um, yeah, well, I haven't been in one. So the, the change from the... So like we were saying, 488 to Tributo. Mm. F12 to Superfast. Okay, F12 to Superfast is actually quite a jump. Um, so F12, when I last drove one, felt quite like... Like a Grand Tour. And a bit like... You can feel it's getting a bit older. Yeah. So... Um, the greatest attribute of the 812 is really, as I said, is that it is a comfortable TDF, meaning that they took a lot of the learnings from the TDF and put it in a more daily mm. package. And so what you've got is the, the one of the criticisms of the F12 was it was a bit of a handful. And part of that was because um, it wasn't the most predictable of cars. Um, just because the traction control calibration wasn't that great and it, yeah. and it delivered a huge amount of torque 
to the rear wheels which are underneath the boot rather than yeah. the engine so there wasn't a great amount of weight over them um, and so it would constantly try and kill you in a straight line did you find that? yeah I found that yeah so we should, what, what surprises me the most is despite the fact that the TDF is way more aggressive and spiky it's a lot more composed right and you can control it much easier do you think that's an advancement in the electronics yes Yes, I do, because it's that's the only thing. Do you get on the more, dash? Does do you get a little? There's the little light come on. There. Oh, the light comes on. Yeah, <laughs> the light comes on, man. Well, because because like quite often with cars nowadays, it doesn't come on. Like it's it's just massaging your stuff. Yeah. So people believe that there is nothing on. So when they turn it off, they're like, they're "Oh, like, this is going to be the same." Oh dear. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. The, the, the speed was right. You're aware. Corner of it. too tight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't have to use that one, but yeah. <laughs> the okay, so the biggest jump, obviously, the engine is well. The engine in the TDF is six point three liter, hmm. which is up from the F twelve, and then the 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 eight twelve is up from the TDF to six point five. And what and what horsepower are these cars? They, they're loony now, aren't they? So the eight twelve is eight hundred horsepower. Right, right. The just TDF enough. Is, yeah, just ample. The TDF is 770. Um, but interestingly, the TDF weighs 200 kilograms less. That's significant. Which is a lot. Yeah. And 200 kilograms? 200, yeah. Wow. That's what I mean about the biggest difference being the 812 is a comfortable version because they stuck all the sound deadening back in. Okay. All, the, all the comfy seats, all of the speakers, you know, all of the stuff is back in there's nowhere near as much uh, carbon fibre um, and just everything that sort of adds weight is, is in there it's amazing when you get in a car I think like the first time I went in a 599 GTO mm. it's a bit like this a bit like getting in a Porsche GT3 RS type scenario where mm. they've removed stuff now if you just drove that car and you didn't drive the other car you wouldn't be sure why it's different yeah but like removing this stuff adds so much to your driving experience doesn't it such a difference particularly I mean I mean under everything I was about to say particularly under you know braking typically typically under cornering but it's actually typically under everything anything that involves the dynamics of a car yeah the less weight the better Um, yeah I mean stopping distances in the TDF are incredible Um, just the the way it turns in that was the other the biggest difference as well between the 812 and the F12 is the 812 has rear wheel steer which is magic magic it's lit for me it's one of the greatest evolutions in supercars of the last 10 years it just makes them hyper agile so many so many people bash it and I and I 100% well, 100% believe that the people bashing rear wheel steering have never driven rear wheel steering. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's, it's not something that you feel like it interferes, you don't notice it. All you notice is the car just handles better. Super agility. Yeah. I mean, I recently did a, a video with um, a GT3 RS 4 litre, mm. 997. No slouch. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I purposely drove there in my... GT3, yeah. just to feel the difference. Very different. I didn't feel as much of a difference going out of the, my GT3 into the 4 litre as I did getting back into mine right, yeah. afterwards. And the rear wheel steer creates the sensation that the nose of this GT3 is like magnetically adhered to the road. It's just, it's absurd, like Ben's physics. I remember when we were, we were hammering around the Alps in your GT3, yeah. and that was the first time I'd driven a 
the latest generation mm. and just that ability like almost like mid corner well exactly mid corner you can just like crank a little bit more on <laughs> and it just just <laughs> rotates a little bit more and like, you <laughs> don't expect it to be able to do it and it just yeah, yeah just goes around so same so, in a car park yeah <laughs> yeah well that's it as well actually from a from a daily point of view it does at high speeds what it does at uh, lower speeds mm. so at high speeds the wheels actually turn slightly in the opposite direction yeah so that gives um a higher stability but it's like a long no, sorry, virtual longer wheelbase i said this the wrong way around no that is the I correct think. way around yeah they anyway. both like the front and the back point right at high speed for example when you're turning right yes and at, and that slower speeds it does the opposite yeah they point so, opposite ways yeah so you go around a roundabout or around a tight car park like like a london taxi it's, yeah it's unbelievable it's a great thing so take that tech and then put it into a car like an F12 or an 812 which has a very long wheelbase and all of a sudden when you walk over to the 812 or the TDF your brain's thinking Grand Tora mm. it's going to be a little bit chill yeah relaxed bit of a boat but you get in it and the calibration of this thing they're so particularly the TDF you don't so much as steer it with your arms as you do with your wrists it's so so agile and I would go so far as to say actually on, on that car it might be a little bit too much mm. whereas on the, the F12 uh, sorry with on the 812 the modulation of the brakes isn't quite as bitey the throttle is a bit easier to apply yeah. and the rear wheel steering on it is Gen 2 and I think they've learned quite a lot because the TDF unless you give it very smooth inputs it is a little bit like you're turning on a 50 pence piece right? <laughs> so it rewards very smooth driving yeah. if you can input things which is quite, actually quite hard when you're driving it fast on a road because it's not the smallest of, the, yeah. of platforms but if you can if you can input it with very smooth motions good god that thing will eat a bloody A road <laughs> or, or in fact a, a B road anything it's just fantastic and so I mean to summarise between the two mm. well one 812 we mm. like the 812 we like the 812 I'd, yeah I like I like it's I'd great, like an 812 it, it, it's fantastic it's it's absolutely brilliant and it's very complete mm. as well to t- touch back on something you've mentioned then and we've talked about before mm. but I feel like we could talk about now mm-hmm. is you said you drove a GT3 RS 4 litre and we've spoken in the past and I know you've done a series recently about mm. driving kind of like modern class cars from the last 10 15 20 years yeah well your car was part of that and that's part that's mm. 30 years so yeah. I, so i actually decided to the buck stops or begins at the f40 that's as old as we'll go and people were like it was it's old yeah but i mean i like i had this chat again on twitter and people were like oh what about a 288 GTO and for me now that yeah. is now properly classic. And what year is like, like a Countach? Uh, Similar no time, idea. isn't it? Yeah, I don't know the exact. Yeah, yeah, but that era. sort of era. That that type of era, right? And you know, this guy was like, "Yeah, but an F40 is old." It's like, "Yeah, but an F40's got a carbon tub." And so it's five hundred horsepower. A modern classic. <laughs> like anything that has a carbon tub, it's definitely. Don't care how old it is, it's modern, right? So I looked back, and other than the XJR15. Yeah, that's really the very earliest 
carbon tubbed car. The XJR15 is like a crazy car. Like I didn't really mm. come across it, and then I saw one, and you're just like, what is this? It's very much like a Group C car for the road. Yeah. Right. Well, in fact, it was a... Group was a group C car C because car. it was it was built as a support as a single make race series for Formula One in the very early nineties, uh, and it, it, I don't know I probably for financial reasons, but it only did three support races. So it did Monaco, it did Spa, and it did Silverstone. Hmm. And um, yeah, there's all these really fascinating people that entered these races. So everyone from Martin Brundle to people that own like music labels and all of these crazy eccentrics got involved in this series. But they were a, a naturally aspirated V12 bolted to the chassis. And that, the XJR15 was the world's first carbon-tubbed yeah. car with plates that, would, that was allowed to drive on the uh, road. And they, they only made 53 of them. Yeah. So they're, they're a car that not many people actually know about. I didn't but, know it existed for a long time. But so, ha- so how about this, right? Peter Stevens designed the XJR15. Peter Stevens designed the McLaren F1 alongside Gordon Murray. Now, McLaren F1s they made 106 of, and some of those are 30 million quid now. Yeah. XJR15s they made 53 of, and they're still under a, the- under a mill. Yeah, so they must have done what quite a they big do jump soon, in recently. Right? But yeah, I don't. Know. It's weird that they, there's certain cars that just sort of get left mm. on the side, and then and then I guess some someday yeah. suddenly people go, oh, oh, that was actually quite special. That was kind of cool. Yeah. And um, I think what actually happened with the XJR15 program was it was launched at a very similar time as the XJ220 was, yeah. and at that time, 220 was going through a lawsuit because everyone who placed a deposit for a naturally aspirated v12 got a twin turbocharged metro engine right? i want my money <laughs> yeah, back so they were like money back and so at that time i think jaguar was like let's not launch any more sports cars <laughs> so uh yeah they built 53 of them which is pretty cool and half of those were race cars so it's yeah i'll be fascinated to see what those cars do over the next yeah it'll be interesting years. Yeah. i think another one in that that bracket of things cars that could go a bit bonkers mm. ignoring that there is possibly a point in time when you may not be allowed to drive any of these cars on a road but and in that case I think they'll all become significantly worse worse uh, significantly less yeah. but there's all these cars banging around that you can buy for example a 997 RSR yes. like the race car that races them on mm-hmm. like I didn't know you could buy these things but it, when the when the 991 generation came in all the race teams were like okay get it's rid and people bought them like you could buy them for like 200 grand or 300 grand or something right. and these are cars that they I, I, i'm just picking the numbers here yeah. but they might have made 15 of mm-hmm. of which five raced at le mans yeah of which like two have significant history in terms of like one le mans yeah so there's 15 of these cars three of them went you know yeah. five significant mm-hmm. two very significant and these were between three and five hundred thousand pounds now i'm, I'm just yeah. guessing they're sort of like that yeah one well one day when like <laughs> our, the the people that are growing up in like our generation that saw them racing at le mans yeah people go hang on a minute there's now a race series that you can race these things <laughs> in and there's only three that went to le mans yeah like how is that not worth more for example than a four litre that you were talking about of which there's like 500 yeah 
I don't know. I think... Obviously, one's a road car. One's a road car, but I think the thing with... Well, race cars of that level, in order to, to use them, yeah, you've got to have expensive. the team that comes with it. It's very expensive to run. And the laptop that comes with it, right? That sort of makes this thing work. And so I guess it's the whole... With the four liter it's a different cult right it's a different yeah. market of, of people who can just stick in the keys and go oh yeah and no i'm not something saying one person would buy the other one instead no no sure but you're talking in, in, a, in, a, in a world of billionaires yeah and people like to go racing well what's the, what's the, the series that you photographed yeah so the, it called? it's called, it's now called the endurance legends endurance and legends. this weekend well that's they're full doing of those things right yeah you can now go race these things and people are generally at the moment um there's a series where, and most people are racing a lot of entrants are doing 996 RS, which is the yeah. 996 RSR. Yeah. Um, and they are, they're like 200 grand. Mm. And there aren't tons of them. No. And then there's obviously the Ferraris. The Ferraris are worth millions. Like you get a 575 or a 550 Pro oh, Drive or something. Pro Drive ones. They're like a couple they're of incredible. mil. Yeah. So <laughs> if you decide that you want to be a gentleman racer and you want to go and race the cars that, you sort of grew up seeing at Le Mans. Mm. Yeah. These cars are going to sure. be dollar. They, they are, of course. It'll be interesting to see how they do with the younger generation. I'm concerned for these guys because, yeah. because I'm convinced my kid isn't going to grow up. Well, mine, mine will grow up with a driving license because I'll force him to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I just think, you know, unless you grow up with a real passion for it, and because you won't necessarily have to drive because the likes of Uber will have evolved to such a yeah. degree that there'll be no need to even own a car. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the future of these things is like. I mean, that's a podcast in itself, actually. So I don't want to bring a downer on things. No, I know. I, I, I do slightly worry in the back of my mind that all of these things are going to just yeah. disappear at one point in time. Um, but until then... Until then... So, uh, old cars yes. versus new cars. Now, Ooh, I... a big one recently mm. or not that recently just generally yeah i've had my gt3 rs now for six years which is you kind have. of nuts and i drove it the other yeah. day at silverstone yeah um i haven't driven it that much recently and i was like okay just look you've got this car either sell it yeah or use it use more it. and like yeah and then you'll appreciate it and i took it to silverstone did a track day and at no point in time no, there was one point in time. There was one point in time when I was going down the straight and a new GT2 RS went past me like I was standing still. And I was like, oh, I wish I had a bit more horsepower. But the rest of the time, yeah. when I'm like blipping the downshifts, yeah. like rowing my own gears, going around the corners, like having a whale of a time, did I think oh, I would love some paddles and I would love like less involvement? No, you didn't think that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, so that, just that example there of of the car going quicker than you down a straight, I think you, you very much have to adopt a mindset that on a track day, you're, well, you're not allowed to time anyway. Yeah. And even if you are timing, you're timing against yourself. Yeah, it's pointless so it's timing actually, against someone else. Yeah, so it's like, who, like he's having his enjoyment in that car. The only difference is at the end of the straight, he's, he's breaking in. Uh, you know earlier. yeah yeah <laughs> because he's going faster so i think when it comes to the enjoyment of a car unless you're racing you've got to think in that moment you're in your moment and your moment was naturally aspirated and full of 
peel and tow and downshift and yeah. balancing a car before they move the engine forward. So for me, I've started this Modern Classic series and it's funny because my channel started with the latest greatest hmm. and it still very much is about that because I'm always going out on these new car I mean that's launches. when someone gives you a car to drive like a manufacturer it's generally exactly. going to be a new one exactly yeah so and I'm still all about that and I still love modern cars but my enjoyment out of a car be it brand new or old is if it really stimulates me because ultimately as as humans we're just big sacks of nerves and we we love a bit of stimulation yeah so and that's from sound feel smell just every just engagement interaction all of the, these things and over the last three years because my entire channel had been what's the latest greatest cars brands have fly me around the world put me in you know an amazing car on a, either on a pristine circuit or a road which they'd been grooming for the last three months yeah. to make sure it was the right place I get back into something, I mean, I drove an E30 M3, and uh, it was a Johnny Sokoto edition, which was like a final edition of right. this car. And um, What's that, 200 horsepower? It was, two, it, was, it was like 200, I think it was like 245 horsepower. And this, I was wringing this thing's neck, and I looked down at the speedo, and the speed was acceptable yeah you know what i mean <laughs> and but then again i look at the a pillars and they're like matchsticks yeah 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 <laughs> but the counter to that the visibility was amazing um but just there was there was a very organic feeling about these cars which the more time i spend in modern day supercars the more i appreciate the older stuff not the like I'm not talking like pre-war old yeah that's a different genre in itself but then you talk to the pre-war boys they and they're it. like you, and don't, they're know saying, you don't know what you're talking about and one day I shall delve and find out what they are smoking but up until that point modern day classics of the last 30 years um, for me the last 30 years of cars seem to be the apex of enjoyment and engagement particularly when it comes to stuff with a manual gearbox because the manual will always stand the test of time because it is still pure driving one of these that i came to that realization when i was looking to buy a car that i wanted to keep forever and i thought to myself say i keep this car and i travel the world with it and i did what i did with the speciali and every year i send it to a different country for a month and i spend a time there or do something with it 15 years time 20 years time i walk back in my garage with my son and i go oh this one time i took that car there and we did this and that was the car that i did this in and that and that and this is a a personal opinion of mine but i think in 20 years time if said car was a manual it will still provide as an authentic experience as it did you know then yeah. when I was driving it as it will do in 20 years time paddle shifts I think will evolve I think something will change and what confirmed that to me was three four weeks ago I was at the Koenigsegg factory and I spent the day with Christian von Koenigsegg magician magician 
just some engineering super <laughs> wizard with some like black magic powder has has reinvented the twin clutch box and it's half the weight and half the size and you can go from ninth gear to second in an instant um and it's all about you know just just optimal performance and i was thinking you know one day it'll be electric and it'll be about optimal performance you won't even need to have a gearbox but i'm not in this for that i'm in this to when this channel started it was all about the 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 enjoyment of driving right and i think this modern classic series has highlighted that purity to me tenfold off the back of spending so much time with these modern day cars because they're just so good yeah you know what i mean but good at a sort of you've kind of muted the soul a little bit you know what i mean yeah like let's say driving your gt3 Mm. i i find when i drive a modern paddle shift car I get out of it and yes you can have had a really good experience driving it like mm. 100% and there is definitely a time and a place for a paddle shift gearbox and I would say that is generally in traffic but, <laughs> <laughs> but you get out of it and you, you've had a, a really great time and yeah. yes you get all this sort of the, this, it's so quick mm. and if you're on a track like my race car is a paddle shift race car and I'm not massively fussed about having a, sure. a manual race yeah. car but Whenever I get out of something, let's say like your generation GT3, mm. and someone said to me, "Oh, you can drive the next GT3, mm-hmm. or a 458, or the next blah 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 that was paddle shift," I'm like, "Okay, cool. Uh, just which like the only difference between those cars is like, well, which one's better?" So like, mm. I get in a modern McLaren. Mm. I personally, let's say I owned a 12C, I wouldn't see any reason to not get a 650S, not get a 720S, like not not just like ratchet up the range Sure. every time the, the new one comes yeah. out because the new one is better. It's better always. Whereas when we've changed, we've done that stick, like clear change from mm. manual to paddle shift across a generation, which has happened with some cars, mm-hmm. you've, lo- you've lost it. It's the fundamental platform. It's gone. Change. Yeah. And like every time I get in my GT3, I enjoy mm. that those three pedals. Yeah. And someone actually commented on I, I did a, a video of the lap uh, when I was at Silverstone the other day, and someone commented saying, "Oh, you know, you can get um, you can get a software update that puts in an auto blip on a 997." <laughs> I was like, "You, you, we are, we are, so far apart <laughs> in terms of our terminology." But but some people love pedals. Yeah, dude, I I get a lot of enjoyment out of a twin clutch box. If any any regular viewers of my channel are listening to this, I'm a gearbox snob. But here's the thing: it's opposite ends of the spectrum. It's either manual or twin clutch. Yeah. This this torque converter nonsense in the middle, I just can't deal with it because it doesn't do what you want it to do when you want it. Yes. To do it, it's just a bit sloppy, and it's like, oh yeah, but it's 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 smoother around town. Yeah, but I don't get any. But if you drive, if you drive a really good PDK, that's smooth as butter. Uh, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, they're just as smooth. The only difference is when you're really on it, they do exactly what you want to do. Yeah, exactly when you need it to, and the shifts are delivered with such precision. I get a similar amount of satisfaction in a different way as I do from driving a manual box. Manual box, I think, is is a more satisfying experience because it's more on you. So when you execute a well-executed heel shift 
heel-toe downshift. I find that very personally rewarding. Yeah. But understanding the sophistication and the mechanics of a twin clutch and what it's doing, oh yeah, I also equally blows my mind because I'm like, that's insane. Like it how is fast that. Shit. And I think it massively depends what engine and and mm. and to some extent exhaust yeah. that that gearbox is paired to. Hugely because important. let's say you know F12 TDF or mm. A12 with like straight pipes or something. Yes, if you pull that paddle mm. there's a very serious there's a like, very serious oral engagement sound engagement that's right wrong yeah. that comes with that Big which time. makes you feel engaged yes. whereas if it's like a, a turbo six cylinder or something yeah it's just like more yeah. of the same noise that just yeah i mean mclaren is number one at that like i look down at the speedo when i'm driving a, a 720s I had one last year for about five, six months. And, um, you know, I look, I look down and I'm like, how the hell did I arrive here? You know, yeah. the numbers are simply unacceptable. It's just, ridiculous. It's just absurdly fast. And on the one hand, you're impressed of, of just how capable and effortless it is. But you're doing speeds that in one of the modern classics would feel like you're, you're on time attack, right? Yeah. But... The problem with driving on the road is there are rules. Yeah. <laughs> and these modern-day supercars obliterate them while you're tuning your radio. Like, it's just... They're so effortless. And so I think if your party trick is speed, which McLarens are... You're in the wrong party. At some point, it's going to go wrong because you're either going to be through the hedge or in jail. Whereas with these older cars, the limits of performance are accessible earlier because they're just not as fast. And it, it massively depends, I think, on which car we're looking at in the range, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, McLaren's game, generally, mm. is to be like the most competent, fastest performance car out there. Mm. And in their segment, they 100% are. Oh. <laughs> like, yes. There's no question about <laughs> it. Are. Ferrari, you are not as fast. No. Um, but, like we're saying, that's not, that's not the goal. But if you look at some of the other models, for example, the, the LT models, 675 well, LT is... A 600 LT is absolutely fantastic. Hmm. It's brilliant. And they've definitely, they've definitely learned. Yes. Like, they know how to make a car more involving. Now, hmm. it's not the car that most people want to buy. Sure. And most people want to drive in their day-to-day whatever. That's why the 720 exists. Uh-huh. But the 720 is not the model... To stimulate the soul as much. To stimulate the soul, which is mm. why I don't think I would ever buy mm. that model of a car. Because mm-hmm. I, if I'm buying, personally, if I'm spending that amount of money on a car, mm. I want it as an event and an experience. Yes. Rather than a very good way of getting around. Obviously, yeah. I'm not saying a 720 is not an experience, but it doesn't, it doesn't get you in the feels quite as much as yeah. some of these other cars that we're talking about. What about... So there's this there's this bracket of supercar now, which is the daily driver supercar. The daily driver, driver two hundred thousand pounds supercar. supercar. <laughs> and let's face it, Porsche started that, didn't they? You know, yeah. Like nine eleven turbo. Nine eleven turbo is, and maybe forever will be the ultimate daily driver supercar. I think the Audi R8 did a fantastic job of entering that space yes. because it was a hard space to enter, but more of a supercar. More of a supercar. And then I think McLaren have done a very good job of hybriding the two of those things because mm. 
you, I mean, I lived with mine daily. Motorway miles, like the baggage space is good. It's comfortable. You know, they've got this this suspension algorithm which Super was like trick. developed by some university over the last five years and it's just an amazing thing to live with daily but that's the, the thing isn't it it's not your you wouldn't necessarily look forward to pulling it out because it's a sunny sunday afternoon yeah and let's oh let's go for, let's go and treat yourself to a drive in this special car which sounds absurd because if anyone anyone who's listening to this or watching this who has never might not even have seen one of these cars. Yeah. Might be going, what are you talking about? Yeah, we sound like right arseholes. Yeah, right? but take it from me. <laughs> um, they're ballistic, but I'd sooner be in a Carrera GT. Yeah, I have, I have a theory. I'll share it. So, it's all supply and demand. Yeah. The world. Yeah. Um, most McLaren customers... Mm-hmm don't want the car that we want they want a yeah. supercar but they want a comfy car that they can drive day to day yeah go yeah. around the pub in which case go on the weekend they've nailed it and most you know the people that are buying these cars are generally older uh-huh. I mean the majority of people who can afford these cars are older in fact yeah. yeah and they don't want something and they're, they're probably a bit larger mm-hmm. people get larger maybe. as they get older generally yeah. maybe yeah um and they want something comfy that they can fit in. They can easy access. They don't want to be climbing through a massive yeah. gap. And yeah. then they've got this clutch pedal that's unbelievably Heavy. tough. Now, I, I don't know whether this is just me having lived with a GT3 RS for six years. but And then the F40, really, that is, <laughs> I, I consider that quite tough. But yeah, if you compare that true. to most modern cars, it's, it's super light. But yeah, I think they're just making cars that, easy. that sell. Of course, that's. I mean, that's the game they're in, right? Um, but what I hope happens, that I kind of hoping and believe for every ying, there's a yang, right? Mm. And I think at the minute, as we mentioned, everything's you know going eco-friendly and turbocharged, electric, etc. Um, the other thing, and I'll all of this, what I'm saying now, will come full circle, and I'll. I'll, I'll I'll explain, but the other thing at Geneva was brands are dropping multi-million pound supercars like it ain't no thing. Yeah, left, right, right center. Left, right, center. And I was walking around that show and I was thinking, where are the cars for your average enthusiast? Like, what could you like aspire to that w- that was fun? And just potentially attainable. Potentially attainable. Like even if you to remortgage your house, these cars were were just like off, yeah. the, off the options. Like off, there's no chance, you know. And um, I was thinking, we've lost that. You know what I mean? And then I looked at the the Alpine, right? This the, that. It's so cool the ethos of that car, I everyone I've I've spoken to who has shared that driving experience thinks it's brilliant. And what I'm hoping is, and also by by championing the the ethos of the modern classics, I'm really hoping that this filters back around to the accessible purist driver's cars. And what I meant by for every ying, there's a yang, as everything gets super expensive or super eco or whatever, just like the the 
equestrian industry right now. Like, there's never been any less need for a horse, right? But the equestrian scene is exploding. It's, it's, yeah. it's huge. And I hope and believe that I think the purest driver's market will also do the same thing. This is probably a bad example because of the cost. But the likes of Singer and Alpha Holics... Yeah, they're blown up. They're blowing up because it's that purest driver's market, which currently in the mainstream does not exist, right? You just can't and get I think, it. I think with those, something that they nail hmm. is they, they pick a car that everyone sort of loves and the image that everyone loves and they just turn it up to 11. Yeah. Whereas, um, I, I'm just going to put McLaren under the firing line for this one. Um, <laughs> we love you I, really, guys. I, like, amazing. Yeah, so I've, I, I'm going to come on to another point. Yeah. But they seem to have disregarded aesthetics from my point of view. Mm-hmm. They, they just sort of kind of threw it out the window for a couple of cars and gone performance is everything and i think we're now seeing that buyers Mm. you buy with your heart you buy these cars with your heart you don't buy them on numbers because you're not buying the car because it's the fastest car on a track because there's always a race car that's faster many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. And then it's, it's being that fast on the road is kind of pointless. So if you, if you look back at it and go, Phew. Yeah, that's, that's and that's where the singers and stuff like that coming back in because people yeah. want them. Flip side, I drove a Senna, I drove Tim's Senna. Mm. That thing is the shit. They are amazing. It is. They are shit. Like on the road, amazing. I have never driven as an involving and kind of nuts mm. modern paddle shift type experience. That yeah. that was hands down the most yeah. nuts. They are they are nuts. They've done a very good job of making a modern car proper. Yeah. I mean, I, to be fair, I've only ever driven one on on circuit. I, I'd go. Did you so, drive over like a pebble or anything like that? Yeah, we were on an it's like Esteril, <laughs> and you if you went slightly offline and picked up some debris, it was like you'd been shot with a machine gun. Yeah. I mean, you could hear it like all over the arches because like everything's hollow. There's no no yeah. sound deadening. Um, but the the brakes on that thing were just conveniently a few weeks prior to that i'd been around um circuit of catalonia in an in an audi r8 lms so Mm. like the gt3 race it's like a gt3 race it's like an endurance racing car and the brakes were exactly the same as that it was just insane i couldn't believe it i was like this thing wears number plates man you know (laughs) it's just the most bonkers thing um but 
you know, flip side, it doesn't look the greatest. It doesn't. It's it's kind of cool in that it's just this brute and it's this like whatever. But I, I think I think it could have looked good. My argument to this is. You know, Valkyrie looks good. Exactly. <laughs> Valkyrie doesn't ad- adopt anywhere near a similar design language. So if it was all to do with going fast, it would look like that. And you can just really look good. at, like, let's step back a little bit of a generation. I know mm. it's a slight, it's not quite the successor, mm. but P1 GTR, stunning, P1 LM is a car. really good looking car. Stunning, stunning And, car. like, there's a ton of other cars. There, mm. will, be, there will be cars that will be faster Yes, those cars will be slower, but like a P1 GTR and a P1 LM, you, you look at yeah, that car and amazing. you're like, Oof. "Yeah, they are absolutely stunning things." Whereas the Senna, you go like, "Oh, it's impressive." Yeah. Oh, I bet uh, it's got 800 <laughs> kilos of downforce. Uh, blah blah blah. Yeah. I worked out the equivalent downforce in my little Radical. Okay. Which is less than a tenth of the price. Yes. Of this Senna. Yeah. At the speed that they calculate the downforce, which is like 180 miles an hour, if you could yeah. get my radical to 180 miles, which you couldn't, yeah. it would be doing something like 4,000 kilos of downforce. Wow. Yeah. And they've got 800. So you're like, this okay. This is the thing about road cars for the track. I mean, listen, the the Senna is about, it's up there with the most hardcore it's of badass. road cars for the track. Yeah. However, my experience of Senna on track, and I had a full day in, in this thing was because it has such bonkers levels of downforce so the overall car has 800 kilograms of downforce that is like gt3 levels of downforce when i say that i don't mean no i don't mean gt3 is in porsche gt3 i mean gt3 no 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 as in like GT3. is that is, is that the yeah. same as gt3 yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not more than that no you sure it's it's around that similar okay similar um but they're on uh, road compound tires. Yeah. So I went through a set of tires in four, like 14 laps. Like went through, Harris went style through drifts. them. No drifts. It was just a hot day in Estoril with a vast amount of squashing in yeah. the tarmac of these uh, Was tires. it fun? Yeah, it was. It, it was great fun. But here's the thing. I guess more annoyingly for McLaren than me, the next day we drove down the coast to... Portimao and I got in a um, 570 GT4 yeah just completely different ball game really? like way more fun nowhere near as fast in a straight line yeah through the corners not far off because it was on slicks yeah and the braking was as good and it was a proper race car and it was what a quarter of the price I feel like slightly what we're doing now is the you could buy a Bugatti Chiron, but you could buy 18 Nissan GTRs with 500 like million horsepower. That so you're saying, like, okay, you yeah. could buy this expensive one, or you could buy something that's faster and cheaper and slower. And they but they are two different experiences, hugely different. So for hugely different, there's a lot of most all of the people that are buying the Senna, yeah, and are still buying it, and it's not for sale. Yeah, have bought it because <laughs> they like it and they want the experience of that car. Generally, yeah, oh, they, they might, you know, I think they, they might, want it because it's called a Senna, or because it's called <laughs> and a Senna. It's dead fast, and it's well fast. It's, it's well fastest fast. car in the world. Yeah, fast car in the world. But, is called but a Senna. Lamborghini will just be like, yeah, but we built this car, and it's faster than your fast car. And, and everyone's look, like, oh, cool, sweet. and it will look better. <laughs> and it will look better, <laughs> and exactly. it'll sound better as well. Tell you what, yeah. uh, the Avensdal SVJ, yes, is a sick looking bit of kit. It is awesome. 
It is the most... Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Uh, you can do. You can do. Yeah, if you want. The SVJ, funnily enough, also drove that car at Estoril. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, that is the most give-a-fuck car that I have seen launched in a while, you know? It's so outlandish. I'd spec one all in black, actually. Just just black. There's been one in so um, HRO near me yeah. that is like a dark blue, oh, dark blue great. with like gold wheels or oh, something. Sold. And Let's go. I just, I've Good walked luck. past it like a yeah. hundred times. Yeah. And I I bash Lamborghini a lot. Yeah. Um, generally because they make cars not for me. Mm-hmm. But I look at that car and go, if I had, I don't know, 10 cars, 15 cars yeah. or something, I would I have one of them well. for yeah. sure for yeah. that one day yeah, when you yeah. want to... And be... I would not drive it around town because it's just, no. just not my jam. Yeah. But if you want to drive a car around town and get attention, <laughs> That's the that car. is the car. <laughs> but on a, a wide-ish road where you can open up those yeah. the taps... So, see, once again, and this is where the brands kind of know what they're doing. They pick their launches... This is when I experience most cars mm. on a launch. They pick the location of the launch to suit the car the best. So uh, as a result, I've only ever driven an SVJ and a center on track, of which case it's amazing because you've got like, yeah. you know, a Tires. motorway's worth of width to play with. I'd be fascinated to see what center would be fine, I'm sure, but a, a, an SVJ down a British Cook B road. I wonder what that's like. Scary. The TDF's fine, but the Aventador's got shit visibility horrendous what was it? someone it was I think it was was it Top Gear it was it was one of the that, that lot mm. did a video recently and I, I think it was a, it was it was Chris Harris it was a Top Gear mm. and he had an SV and he had a Focus ST I believe those were the two cars it was like, <laughs> right. or, or, or very similar okay and he <laughs> took well, this is interesting. He right? took this event. This, he's like banging around a country road, yeah. and in the event door, he was literally banging literally around, like as in yeah. front splitter smashing, smashing into stuff. Floor. And I mean, I guess this is what you can do when you you're on top yeah. gear now. Is you can you can actually <laughs> you just can like cars. you can break, you can <laughs> give them some some stick for a video. Yeah, but. Um, he pointed out he's like if you're in the Focus ST you can drive everywhere flat you can carry so mm. much speed whereas mm. in the event door it's so wide mm. it's so low you have to think about every Everything. single tiny thing yeah. and I find um, like for example driving down a country road in my old 911 yeah. it's really small it's really narrow so you've got so much room on your side of the road that mm. when someone comes around the corner in a Range Rover you you've still into, got into you've still got two bit. foot of space extra yeah. whereas if you're in your svj uh, you've got like a couple of inches yeah. either side yeah, and yeah. like i mean that's quite difficult to place a car and it stay is, on yeah. it weirdly even though that car is a thoroughbred supercar hypercar platform um oddly lends itself well to grand touring really when you think of the size of it it's more for the open road than until it is you try the... to use it for grand touring because oh, it has no space until you try and put a bag in it forget that <laughs> minor detail or sit in the seats <laughs> yes which will break your back um but i mean in terms of everything really because it's brilliant in gear it's not that great changing gear no it's got the and they have really pushed the limits now of this single clutch box yeah on track it's okay because you, you like at 10 tenths the box works works very good. well 
But when you're driving around an alpine road and, and it, it, you know, it's, I don't know, it's slipping that clutch a bit and the four-wheel drive sort of, you know, makes you understeer yeah. at slower speeds when you go around those tight 90-degree There's an absolute hairpins. sensational clip of and your front SV split just, is gonna just plowing off the yeah, corner just, somewhere. Just go, <laughs> scratching up all, all sorts of things. And that's when, I mean, interestingly, that, that comparison that you've just made with Chris Harris driving the... Uh, ST in a very similar way is the experience that I'm getting out of the modern classics mm. it's all these cars you can you can exploit a lot more of them I'm not saying a, and that's what's fun yeah I'm not saying in a GT3 RS4 litre you can wring its neck everywhere because they're bloody fast yeah. but there's just m- more of it you can use and it feels more sketchy like driving my GT3 RS down a yeah. country road it like hunts the camber yeah it's like they're a bit unstable aren't it's they? a little bit unstable <laughs> yeah. I 100% when I had my Audi RS3 mm. I would like no questions asked I could drive could drive that's everywhere that's faster, faster yeah. because you could just be on it yeah. and you didn't have to worry it just soaked up all the bumps whereas yeah. in the GT3 you've got to be a bit more like ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh, 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 got to watch for that little dip there Annoyingly, in the RS4 litre, the damping was just a little bit too harsh. It was a little bit and too I, stiff. I think that is that is the difference between that car and the 3.8. Where your car was like rose jointed and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is more of a track bias car, but you know, I've spent some time in your car. We did Gumball what 2000 and yeah, oh, I forgot which a couple one of years ago, now, 2016 or something. Three, four years ago, now. and um, you know where your car the 3.8 would absorb most sharp bumps the 4 litre actually skipped out of line from the back yeah. like it would skip across bumps it's a bit hairy it is a little bit like I mean it's it's okay in the short term but I don't know I, I was speaking with Henry Catchpole and he said that you that he believes that you can have the damper set up similar to a 3.8 which would make that car perfect but then you have to question the price difference significant significant I think you just go for 3.8 and just and I, I've just done. messed with mine a yeah. little bit um, and I've changed the so Porsche has this active suspension management system PASM and they have active suspension in a bunch of their cars but it's more of a in terms of if you compare it to like let's say the current McLaren system being hmm. 2019 and Porsche system being 20 uh, you know 2010 in terms of active to passive that being 0 to 10 the uh, the Porsche system is about a 1 out of 10 <laughs> as opposed to a 10 out of 10 being the McLaren and what you can do is you can buy a new controller for this unit that is someone's done a lot of research into mm-hmm. and it it uses all the sensors in the car and turns it into a much better active system and I so far have only I did some research around and it's the sort of thing you come across in like real dark web of piston head forums or something (laughs) and someone said you should just try like have you thought about this should you try it and then I researched it spoke to a guy that had it and I I said look I've heard about this it's it's not cheap it's 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 definitely not cheap Mm -hmm. it's about 800 pounds but it's like a plug and play you don't have to change anything Right. Tight scenario. And he said, it's, it's, it's amazing. Just get it. Um, so, I was, I, I, so I reached out to the people that make it, mm. TSC Sport, and I had precisely zero emails back. Amazing. So I was like, full of confidence. I was like, though. cool. Thanks, guys. Good stuff. Um, but anyway, I fitted one. And I drove <laughs> down. It, it, it really is like two minutes to fit it. Right. Um, and I drove down a really bumpy muse. Yeah. And I did it 
pre-fitting it and post-fitting it at like 15 miles an hour and there is actually a noticeable difference in terms of when it knows the car's going low speed low g-force it just slackens everything off like the suspension is in its softest damper setting and you notice it and so a, this is like a damp like a suspension remap yeah it's like it's a remap for your suspension and you oh. can get it you can get oh, it on it's any been, porsche like, massively really any porsche with pasm you can get it on 991 cars I can imagine the improvement won't be as much. Sure. But it's there. But, but it's there. You can get it on any box. That, you can get it on Corvettes with like Magride and stuff like that. Wow. They're crazy. That's pretty like, nuts. That's a crazy little thing. Um, cool. I don't really know what else going on that other than just chatting about... Oh, yeah, because we were yeah. saying it's the the four litre is really stiff litre, and it yeah. is rose jointed and it I guess you could unrose joint it, but... You could, but then it's that's one of the characteristics of the RS 4.0, I guess, but... The engine is sensational. The engine is They're a monster. Noticeable extra torque. Yeah. And that's really what makes punch. it, that gives it the extra punch. The engine is amazing. Yeah. I would love that engine in my car. You could, you could shark works yours if you had the balls. <laughs> yeah. I asked them about this and they've what done like say? three. How much is it? It's like 30 grand. Yeah, it's like 30, 40 grand, which is, yeah, I mean, it's 30, 40 grand. 30, 40 it's exactly, grand, exactly what it is. It's, it's like a Focus RS. Well, it is, but if you look at a four litre, I mean, you yes. could buy almost three entire 3.8 liters it, it's not necessarily the <laughs> yeah the obviously the price of doing it is significant it's it's then the fact that you have no warranty or no like you're just on your own at that point in time if Has it explodes still got a warranty yeah it does that's pretty awesome. i keep renewing it and it's it's like 1700 pounds for two years which is good because if one of those throws a rod I'll tell you, you what it's really good it. uh, i without fail if you have that sort of car yeah, you Either want it. it's you, a peace of mind. You it? could just put the money away for repairs. Yeah. But I had a suspension issue like a year ago and I reckon that was like that must have been four or five grand or something. Well I've I had a drive shaft go. Yeah. That God, was three, yeah. four grand. It's not always the components, it's the it's the bloody labour. Like the, the labour's savage. The labour's is as much as the as the parts. Yeah. It's crazy. So normally, if you've got an expensive, if you've got a two grand diff, it's four grand for fitting. It's like and the problem with the Porsches and stuff like that is you can't just open up the bonnet and do and it. do it. You've got to drop no. the engine out, and that takes yeah. ages. Or like I had a seal go on a fuel tank, Ugh. Um, just a seal, yeah. and that means you have to have a new fuel tank. Ugh. and it was. But that was it, this makes me sound warranty. like this makes me sound like my car has had a lot of issues. It genuinely it hasn't actually had a lot of issues. Yeah. It's just had it's maybe had two or three things done under warranty over the six years I've done it. But the last one was the fuel tank, and annoyingly I'd let my warranty expire accidentally. Just I don't know how that happened, and I just had some warranty work done where they'd replaced a bunch of um, these coolant pipes on the engine, whatever. And that's an engine out job. So we, they'd just done that. That's a big job. Put it back in. And then, like, <laughs> so cut, to, two weeks later, we had the seals go on the fuel tank, which is a engine out job. Mate. It pains me to think about that situation. That was, um, it was annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, it least, wasn't that. It wasn't least. that. It wasn't the fuel tank. It was a clutch. I needed a new clutch. A clutch, okay. And that is an engine out job. And it's a, like you said, it's the labour. It's the labour, If yeah, the engine's huge. out, changing the clutch is a piece of piss. Yeah. But, but then you've got to take it out. Oh, that, I, was, I was pretty raging that that, mm. that happened. But, you know, that's, yeah. that is the way. But yeah. if you have a warranty, all of these things, other than a clutch going, whatever, but that happens after a time. So Especially if you dump it all the time. Uh, there's an interesting development in the car world generally right now. 
um, which is fuel particulate filters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the bane of everyone's life. Well, I had, a, I had my first experience of what the implications of this really are. And um, it was in, the, once again, a car launch. Um, new Audi R8 V10 Performance, it's called now. And um, it has this new oh, yeah. particulate filter in it. It's definitely quieter. Mm. It's definitely a quieter car, for sure. It doesn't have that same... It's still, it's still a naturally aspirated V10. It's still loud, but it's not what it was. Now, interestingly, the second production wave of 991 uh, RS's. RSs will have a particulate filter. Yeah. And I think you will see the same thing happen with those as you did with F40s. Non-cat, non-adjust will be the ones to have. Definitely. Because with this car, the Gen 2 RS, there's more weight and less power and less sound. Yeah. What else will happen over the next few years is you think the aftermarket exhaust scene is big now. Man, I'm telling oh, yeah. you. If if you can take this thing off and have it go back to normal, I mean, the first thing I'll do if I bought an Audi R8 was stick an exhaust on. But do you think when it comes to... Okay, let's say it's fine when you've got a new car, but like yeah. MOT time... You have to stick it. You've got to, have, got to have it back on, don't you? Stick it back on again. Um, what's his name? Misha, yeah. who uh, works at Apex. Yeah. Boosted Boris. He did a video recently, and he, it's it was like a... He does videos from the Nürburgring and it was a development day or test day for manufacturers and he was filming cars go past and it was like the new GT3 or the new GT3 RS goes past and he's like yeah that's a clip of it that's the one with the OPF filter or whatever yeah. it's called and then he played a clip of the, the one without it yeah. and all Depressing. these cars going past Depressing. it's like that's the one before that's the one after and yeah. you're like oh my this, oh is, my God. this is significant significant yeah, yeah, yeah it's a shame yeah so Saving the planet, though. People will just pull the plugs on those straight away. They're going to take them out. Decap. They will. They just will. I mean, not everyone, though. Not everyone. I will. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I also think it's going to make classic cars even more appealing. Like, all yeah. of these things. And these, these speed limiters. And yeah, all speed limiters, all of that jazz. Oh, God, don't get me started. But, yeah, all of that jazz. So, modern classics, man. That's where it's at. Yeah. We lo- <laughs> I think... We're of a similar mindset in terms of we love yeah. the this this t- the cars that are coming out now or in the last ten years or twenty years or whatever. Like yeah. you go and drive them and you drive them in real world conditions and yeah, they're great. I've got to say that thing the left twelve TDF is as far as paddle shift cars go, it's up there with the more exciting bracket. Well, I'm very excited them. to go in it tomorrow. It's tomorrow we're going to Goodwood. It's the 77th members meeting? Yeah, 77 77th members meeting, and uh, we've decided to stretch the legs of the TDF because it's been parked in my garage for too long, slash MVN for too long. So I'm gonna, we're going to get it out, we're going to use it, and enjoy it. That's, that's we're going to go about. drive down to Gibbard and watch some old cars bang around. Yeah, man. Some old, fun, loud cars. Yeah, yeah. some proper, the proper bird, cars. Bird dinosaur juice. <laughs> <laughs> So that'll be good fun anyway. So, yeah, I'm excited because I, I haven't done a proper journey in that for some time. And this summer as well, I want to I get it up in the Alps, man, and, you know, use it for how it was intended. Does it stress you out being worth what it's worth? Its value doesn't stress me out. Its depreciation stresses okay. me out. And depreciation, depreciation only comes with mileage. Mm. And sadly, mileage is what I'm all about. So you put your right foot down, cash yeah. goes out the back. Yeah, pretty much. I mean... To a degree, yeah. Um, 
I mean, there's... Look, I just... I just bumped in to a guy. Um, he's been on my channel two or three times, a guy called Chris Cooper. And um, this guy was full of energy, full of life. Like, And this guy walks over to me and he starts talking to me. And to begin with, I didn't recognize him. Hmm. And it turns out it was this Chris guy. And I was like, what happened, mate? Because he just like lost loads of weight. He's like, mate, I've been in a coma for three months. Oh, wow. I'm like, holy shit. And he was... He was having me and him used to have this chat we're having now about mileage and only saving things for mm. you know special occasions and all yeah. that next generation yeah all that <laughs> all that rubbish and he was just like you know I've never he said I got out of hospital and as soon as I was I was I was able to drive again you know I got in my car and the last thing I looked at was the bloody mileage you know I think if you can afford it it's a it's not nice obviously that you're going to have to have a depreciation hits but equally I don't think I'm going to look back and go do you remember all that money I lost on that car yeah. we're going to sit here and talk about do you remember that time we did that run and do you remember how cool that trip was and that, and, and how special that naturally aspirated V12 is because when I'm God knows how old they will be extinct yeah <laughs> it's I, I wish you could like it. it's obviously something you can't discount mm. because it's part of life mm. But you could definitely say, well, irrespective of how much you drove it, mm. let's say, pick, let's just pick a random car like the Cayman GT4. Mm-hmm. If you got one new when they first came out, you could have driven it ten thousand miles. Yes. And by the time the last ones came out, um, and sold it, mm-hmm. you would have. They were similar values. Yes. Like what happened is the car had a premium. Mm at the beginning and then they made a whole bunch more and that slowly came down but the difference between a 10,000 mile car and a 200 mile car wasn't very much no it wasn't huge so I was slightly annoyed when I sold mine that I didn't I forgot you had one of those didn't do it was nice didn't just like drive it halfway around the world because the depreciation would have basically been nothing like you know like it was like 500 pounds difference or something on the sale and actually you could have driven it but if you decide in your head, I'm going to keep this car forever. That's a different then story. You, then it's different because yeah, then you okay. can just write off the whole thing. For sure. Ish. But you could also just turn around tomorrow. Economic ch- conditions have changed yeah. and your car might be worth half what it is today anyway. That so, would actually do me a favour because then you're forced to just use it. Well, at that point <laughs> in time, like, yeah, if I turn around yeah. tomorrow and someone said, okay, the F40 is worth zero pounds. You'd be like, awesome. I would be, <laughs> I would definitely awesome. not think awesome. But, but there would be that aspect of it. It was like, well, I'm, yeah. I'm never going to sell it, so I might as well just like rag it now. Use it, yeah. I'm a, I mean, I've began to adopt this mindset on this car. N- not that I will keep it forever, because with any luck, I get a slot on the 812 equivalent of that. Yeah. But And that should be more of the same. And that should be more. more of the same, but more, yeah. But <clears throat> the dream scenario is not to regret any of it not to regret life right so i I mean when you look at problems in the grand scheme of things losing money a bit of money on a car for having the time of your life is not one of them yeah (laughs) right you look at it as money spent on that activity correct yes and and i think there's definitely a certain mindset to adopt with these cars i mean you know i got into it because it was a dream 
car of mine. And as a result, you know, when those cars launched, I didn't have the money or the profile to A, afford one or B, be invited to buy one. Mm. So I had no choice. If I wanted to own one of these cars, I'm going to have to pay a premium for it. And the premium is why if you put too many miles on it, you can lose some of that, yeah. you know, uh, premium. But, you know, hopefully one day I'll get into the next version of it from factory price and then I can drive the nuts off it. Yeah. So it'll offset it, you know? So we'll see. We'll see how we'll it goes. But it's t- tomorrow will be a good day. It should be. The I think that that is just the way you've got to do it. Like I with some stuff like the old Porsche because it's funny how old cars mileage becomes irrelevant irrelevant yeah. on on if you actually said to me okay let's say like my GT3 RS it's, it's been driven a lot it's now on 34 35,000 miles yeah. that's awesome um, and I've driven it a lot and all the okay the interior has those sorts of things take a bashing when you yeah. drive them that much but at the same time, any problem that it's ever had has been fixed. Anything, like, it regularly gets started up. It regularly gets redlined. Like, mm. all of the things. If you said, okay, you want to buy a car in... You can buy a GT3 RS, and you can buy one that's had 1,000 miles on it. And it, basically, that means it's been to a service every year. <laughs> yeah. And that's it, since, it's, which, since it came out nine years ago. Mm. Which one would you drive and trust to drive fast it's the one that's been driven for sure they you know they are designed to be and you know these engines are self lubricating when they're being used if they're not being used they're not they just break down yeah but even seals and rubbers begin to fray yeah just things like that so these things need to work they're like a heart if there's nothing flowing through them they seize up yeah these cars die these cars die man so so yes smiles per gallon man that's what it's all about (laughs) on on that note and this will be an interesting chat if the audience gets as far through this podcast as we've been talking for ah there'll Um, be people listening okay cool so those of you who are still here thanks very much hello Um, mum I drove a 60 3,000 mile Carrera GT a few weeks ago oh la la thoughts thoughts on that okay what I will say is mechanically sound aesthetically yeah. not but that's that's all that's all I'll say um I like that guy's had a great time yeah yeah okay let me rephrase that should I buy that car <laughs> Well, see, that, this is, is, this that is, is where it gets tricky. Like a different story, right? Okay, so the short-term ownership of that car, I think, would be, would be cool. Yeah. Long-term, the thought of a 90,000-mile Crow GT scares the shit out of me. <laughs> I don't know whose car this was. Right. But we, or I don't know whether you know him. You've met him. Seb knows a guy called Andrew. It's not him. Um, and he has he has one he's done like 100,000 miles in Carrera GTs so but I think this guy owns two one that he parks and one that he drives yeah which is a nice position um, to be in it is, it is a really tricky one because mm. if, if you look at it from an ownership point of view mm. if you buy a 40,000 mile Carrera GT or a 60,000 mile Carrera GT yeah there's not a lot difference between a 60,000 mile Carrera GT and an 80,000 mile Carrera GT no like it's still that ragged one <laughs> it is yeah but it may but it actually if you look at it it may not be like that like it yeah 
it could look really good and it could run amazingly. Yeah. And in terms of if, let's say you bought a, this sort of car. Yeah. You're going to buy it at the price that you think is fair for that car. Sure. Yeah. And I reckon the difference between a, it's still going to be that, it's still going to be that car. There's not like there's going to suddenly be a whole bunch of others that are like at 50,000 no. and yours at 80. No. It's, it's going to have all the stories from it. Mm. It's going to be worth less. Yeah. We have a friend mm-hmm. um, who basically went out, I believe, and bought the cheapest, not highest mileage, but like he bought used cars of F40, F50, everything, and he just drives them all, all the time. The time. Yeah, and they're going to be worth more. They are worth more than what he paid for them. Yes. And he doesn't have a problem Driving. Driving them. Yeah. If you buy one with 2,000 miles, yeah. you're going to have yeah, the scenario you've issue. got with the TDF where you're that's like, if I put 1,000 miles on it, yeah, or 2,000 miles, I've doubled the mileage on that car. Yeah. If it's got 60,000 miles and you put 20,000 miles on it, it's not so bad. That's only like, it's only a little bit extra. That's true, right? But what happens if it becomes a... I guess, I guess look, it, if you're going to buy that car and you end up with a, from a 60,000 mile to, a 20, to a, an 80,000 mile Pro <laughs> GT... The chance—I mean—in that car, it's going to take you five years. You've done a lot with <laughs> the that car. Chances are, it's probably a keeper, so you probably don't care. But also, let's say, let's just take the Carrera GT for example. Yeah. If you said to me, right now, and I've no idea, like what the price exactly are of these things. If you said you could have a fifty thousand mile one that's had a recent major service, it's had a new clutch and whatever, mm. and it's four hundred and something thousand pounds. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah, I'd, I'd say ask Porsche and go like, "What do you think? Yeah. Can these cars do two hundred thousand miles?" Yeah, and they might go, "Yeah, Oops. no problem. We design them to do five hundred. So have at it. Like you just got to do yeah. the services. You've yeah, got to yeah. do the. These are the major costs at these intervals. Mm. And other than that, you'll bang it on. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I get to own a Carrera GT. Yeah, I still think Carrera GT is undervalued. So it's going to be worth. It's not mm. going to be. It's not going to appreciate as much as the one that's done no miles. No. But at the same time, you're going to appreciate. I'm going to absolutely <laughs> love rag it. it. And yeah. like, I don't. I'm not old, mm. but I sometimes when I did an Excel sheet recently, I don't know why I've done this longer. Of like, cut my car's ownership and what I paid for them and what I sold them for and costs running them and stuff like that. And immediately you look at them and go like, okay, oh wow, I've had that car for seven years. Mm. And then you think, okay, what have I done with it in seven years? Mm. And some cars I've done a lot more than others yeah. and not like okay I'm 31 now in 10 years time I'll be 41 I've yeah. owned the GT3 for 6 years yeah like if I own it for another 6 you're like, I really hope I've created a lot of memories in that time well, I don't want to just it, right? sit on it for 10 years like no. what a waste of time no you want to use them for sure and what if you, you, you sit on it for 10 years mm. you haven't driven it mm. and then they ban road cars and they're worth 20p that would suck. I mean, you've really wasted that's, your money at that point, so. Then it's and that's the regret thing I was talking about. You're never going to regret having an amazing time. Yeah, like when, <laughs> like when I took the old nine eleven. Like for example, all big, major, fun road trips I've done, yeah. I don't regret in the slightest. Like of course. the old nine eleven, taking that on the snow, was hands down the best road trip I've ever done in ever. Just because it's like your own car, it's like an old car. And you don't really expect it to make it. It got back and we had to fix a bunch of stuff. Mm. Like, not not tons. Um, 
But it was good. Just sort it out. But I, and I saw the bill and was like, that was a hundred. Like that was what I would do that again, like every year. Yeah. No questions asked. It. Thing. I think you've definitely got disproportionate value out of your nine nine seven though. Like oh yeah. Been, that's been a solid. I, solid. If trick I car. could repeat that solid process, that would be insane. Yeah. yeah. You see, I'm really really do want a car that I can you know um, Bandar from t- Team Green yeah I envy his situation with that particular car his, nine, his, his Gen 1 his Gen 1 997 right because he's got every mile is his and they have memories on them and I love yeah. that and I'm looking to do that with something it might be that I don't know yeah. but the the TDF I believe will will get superseded by an 812 version whereas a Carrera GT will, will never be superseded no, by anything never going to see that again and neither will a manual anything. RS4 yeah. litre for example so I'm after a forever car I think it's a Carrera GT but mm. I need to spend some more time in one because they are a bit of a ball ache I want to spend to some time in a Carrera GT well, I'm filming one soon if you want to come and join me. I'll totally come and join you. Cool. Bang <laughs> <laughs> on. Yeah, as the weather improves, we'll, we'll uh, head out in one because they are, they're a very, very special thing. Um, but everything you heard about the clutch is true. Yeah. Um, it's, you know. I think it's one of those cars, when you talk to people that have driven and owned everything, mm. And you say, right, pick your top five cars of all time. And they're genuinely talking to people that have owned, like, everything. That's always in Crow there. Crow GT is in there. Yeah, it's always in there. And a lot of other cars are not in there that you would yeah. assume should be in there. Yeah. Um, and I've never driven one. Mm. I've never actually... I've sat in one, but I've never, like, moved anywhere in one. And I feel like, considering how much I love... I kind of love that car. Mm. I love the brand. And everyone says it's amazing. You're like, oh, <laughs> like, oh it probably is amazing. It probably is amazing. It is amazing. I mean, it, everything about it, though, not just the car itself, the story of it, you know, and how it came. It was, it was never supposed to exist. It was built around the engine, not yeah. the car. Um, and just everything about it is very special and it will never be repeated. And... It's a it's a naturally aspirated V10 Porsche engine with a manual gearbox. Yeah, it's like a V10 so in terms F1 of like engine. The epitome bolted of driving engagement to a carbon it, tub. It's up there with yeah. three pedals. Yeah, so it's pretty legit. I'm going to try and. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I put all my money into a big shed in London. Yeah. So let's try and recuperate some of that, and maybe I'll get into a CGT. The problem is every time I in I'm, every time I'm in a position to buy one again, they've gone up like disproportionate. The problem is people keep talking about them yeah in public forums saying how awesome we cut think they out. are cut this Which bit is, out okay I'm going to go back <laughs> and remove anything cut I've ever said about Crow GTs cut this ever. bit out yeah um, good stuff <laughs> one day one day right I think we're nearing how long have we been talking for um, we were quite a long time um, we are on one hour 42 That's I've got one last topic fire away I want to ask you about let's do it so currently you're driving a Bentley Continental GT. I am. The new one. I am. I sort of had an appreciation for the old car, mm. but it never really had any desire to own one. Mm. The new one, I feel like 
I have much more of a desire to own, but it doesn't really fit in with my life. But I like it. How is it? It's fantastic. It's it's so fantastic that I'm very close to wanting to buy <laughs> The only thing that's stopping me from buying that car is the next RS6. Oh. If the RS6 cycle was out of sync with that being launched, I would yeah. have, I would buy that car. In uh, in terms of price, they're quite different, aren't they? I they will be. Yeah, I mean, I I anticipate a fully loaded RS6 to be about 120, 130. Yeah. Whereas that is 205. <whistles> yeah. Solid solid I mean that there. actually figures when there. I say there's some things that stop me buying one yeah. it's the 205 it's price the 205 tag bit. That, yeah. that when you look on AutoTrader but now you can get old ones for 30 grand yeah what you don't want to be doing is buying a new one of those if you don't like depreciation or if you don't want to keep it like if, you, if you're going to keep it for a, if a you while can, if you can run one for many years and actually one of the few brands that still have a fairly long product life cycle is Bentley yeah they do iterations, but they don't launch an all-new Continental Yeah, you can GT. have a private plate on that, and it will look new it'll look for fun. a long time. It'll look good to go. They'll do a speed version, and they'll do a convertible version, and they'll do a V8 version. The car will be the same. And that gives that car so much life, so much legs. Um, in terms of the step change from the previous generation to that, you cannot even compare them. They, they, they are light years apart in terms of Everything. Dynamics is incredible. The fun, fun, fun fact. In fact, the best thing about that car is the stats and figures that surround it. So everything mm. has a crazy stat about it. So they have a very trick anti-roll system that keeps the car very, like, physics-bendingly flat through corners. Because right. it weighs about 2.4 tons. You would never think that. It's crazy. But this anti-roll system has 48 volts of electronic c- controlling power right. that generates 1300 newton meters of torque to keep it flat well for some context the w12 it's running generates 900 newton meters <laughs> of torque so the t- the tech in it is incredible uh, if you if you option the uh oh it's on the tip of my tongue i forgot what it's called now there's a, a specification um which makes it fancy. I forgot what it's called. The fancy specification. The specification. This is this is the royal. This is me version. getting towards the end of a very long day. <laughs> um, anyway, if you option that, it comes with just shy of three kilometers of stitching in it to oh, wow. make okay. the stitching. Um, so yeah, there's all these crazy stats and facts and figures, but the most important one that Bentley are very transparent about is the fact that they teamed up with Porsche heavily to develop the platform and yeah. the gearbox. So it has the world's first eight-speed dual-clutch gearbox combined to a W12 twin-turbo. Yeah, engine. so it's basically Porsche's new eight-speed. Yeah, so it's like a super posh Panamera mm. with a W12, which is, which is, if you think about that, that's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, and it handles fantastically well. The sound system's insane. It looks beautiful. Um, and at the minute, I'm destroying motorway miles in it. Yeah, and it's it's just it just laps it up. So that's the thing. Like I would, uh, I think my my ultimate daily driver yeah. 
ignoring the probably driven around around by some electric pod in yeah. whatever 20 years or some some rubbish like that yeah but um and actually i will 100 percent embrace that i am totally fine to oh, not drive i am down for autonomous driving when i don't want to drive yeah 100%. would be a car that is the size of my m2 yeah but has like a rolls royce feel to it feel to it like plush so you want a baby bent like a baby roller oh yeah i want like a m2 sized rolls royce no I, so, I wouldn't want to pay for it <laughs> that's that now the category of car is one thing not paying for it's the tricky bit yeah <laughs> well obviously that's a, a serious part but like a really small car that does the that the thing quality. that i like about the the Bentley Continental mm. is the idea of a car that just isolates you from everything mm. and you just like can kind of just waft around and you arrive yeah. and you're Not just feeling refreshed like you've you're had just chilled like when I had the the 7 Series for mm. a while uh, for a week the 760 Li was that a V12? yeah unreal <laughs> um, that I got a bit of a hint of that in terms yeah. of like just that what a really good motorway just travel waft along go through town waft mm. f- vehicle is but you want a small one of those but just because I live in a city but and also just you know like you drive down a road you don't want it to be massive no I mean I think for the Does last the Bentley four do that, or basically? five times that I've seen you you've, you've, you've said this yes and, and I can't really I don't really have an answer for it I'm not sure if a product exists but audience is there comments below on this is there comments can you comment I think whatever platform you're on comment there's there's definitely cars think? that exist that would probably tick that box really well and I think I've, I'm, we've definitely talked about this but like I love the, the the sort of one end of me loves the hardcore RS type cars yeah. and I do love the M2 because I can take it to the track occasionally yeah. and then also now I've changed the suspension so it's actually much better around town but you want something more plush but I do like the idea of something that's just like super like luck. So, so maybe what, like a S class coupe, but like the S five hundred. Yeah, not an AMG. Not the AMG. It like gets a bit too stiff. If they then. get too stiff, you have the tire walls are too big. But then the S is, is then too big for you. It's a very big car. So do you want a C? So maybe you want an E. Yeah, an E. Yeah, an E. I mean, they're not the smallest. They're not. As, they're larger than no, an M two. Yeah. See, that's the thing. They're huge. So your RS three was good. My perfect RS three was a really was good, good car. Good, really. Yeah. But um, not hyper plush, but good quality for its bracket. But I don't sure. think that that car, the car that I'm looking for, it doesn't exist. But small super plush car. But in terms of having a car, ignoring price and whatever. Yeah. That provides that plush, nice environment experience. Would you say that that is the Bentley Continental? That car has the finest interior, I truly believe this, of any car on sale today. Fair play. That is not a sponsored post. (laughs) Certainly in its its class, which is, granted, pretty high-end class. But even the Rolls-Royce equivalent, I mean... They're so much bigger, the Rolls, though. Yeah, but, I mean, for me, a Phantom is above that certainly in terms of price and size it's just huge but if you look at a ghost or a wraith you know they are getting a bit long in the tooth now and i you know i often compare bentley and rolls royce like rolls royce for me is a sailing yacht or as bentley's a super yacht yeah they're just more modern and contemporary um and they just handle 
better. Whereas a Rolls Royce is the ultimate definition of super chill, like ultra plush, just swan along in yeah. tranquility, but the dynamics aren't there. So that there's this trade-off. Whereas with that thing, the Continental GT, I don't know, man, there isn't that much of a trade-off. Yeah. It's not the biggest in the back, but if you if you like your M2, that isn't either. So Yeah. It, 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 it 100% slots into that daily sports supercar, mm. but it's the plush end. It's like the comfy end of that. Yeah. Um, that It's weird. I don't know how like you think about... I think about certain cars as they fit into certain categories, and I've definitely taken some flack from some people for seeming like a bit of a dick. Go on. But, for example, um, if I can, if I say I want like a hardcore supercar like G3 RS, uh-huh. like blah, blah, blah. If you're going for a car that, in my eyes, would be like a daily, mm-hmm. I would say like F-Type, uh, Aston Martin V12 Vantage, or like DBS, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, daily in terms of as in like a 911 turbo 911 okay. turbo like fast it's like silly amount of performance but yeah. you could fast I would use usable. it as like kind of drive it every day okay. type scenario it wouldn't be my daily special take it for a weekend hoon I car that. Um, which is which is probably why I mean it's what I don't have a car like that mm. and drive it every day and it's not I wouldn't do it well, not at the moment. It's mm. not something I want, which is why I have the M2. That's mm. that's my daily car. Like I quite like a small car mm-hmm. that I don't care about too much. Mm. It can get like scratched, and I'll be really pissed off. And but it's not the end of the world. There's a kid missing a hand, but <laughs> but like it's not a hundred thousand pound car or a two hundred thousand pound car sure. parked on the street With that you use panels. every single day. Yeah, but I would put the. There's certain cars that sort of fit into that mold, like for me the 911 Turbo. I would never have a 911 Turbo as a fast weekend car, personally, because no. I would always have the GT3. Well, there's, the GT3 is is in a totally different space when it comes to theatre. Yeah, totally different. It's just like, a completely different. If you experience. want a sense of occasion, 911 Turbo is not it. No. Whereas a GT3 is. But a 911 Turbo is more expensive than a GT3 and faster. And but, that's, but if we go back half an hour, that's exactly what we've been talking about. Exactly. It's not about the numbers, it's about the heart and heart strings, isn't it? Yeah, like I would have a 600LT over a 720S. 20 I would as well. Now, potentially, a 600LT may be more expensive than a 720S. It could be. Uh, yeah, but not. It could be. Not for, not, like, not for long. Not for long. <laughs> yeah. I get that. Yeah. But. Horse well, courses. what about a 911 Turbo? Is that, is that not what. You're thinking about well, was that too expensive? Well, it's a lot of money, a lot of money day, isn't it? Um, but then, actually, like, let's say you were looking at a, a new M2 competition. Mm. They are fifty, like, spec'd up fifty-two thousand pounds. Right. I'm going to make one of those jumps that people make that is not logical at all. <laughs> but like, for seventy thousand pounds, yeah, you can get a. You can probably get... I, I wonder how close you can get into like a... You can definitely get into a, a C2S 991 yeah. for sure, I reckon. Mm-hmm. A 991 Turbo is probably 80. That is almost double mm. that price. But if you were going to buy a new M4 or a new M5, mm-hmm. you can probably get a oh. 991 Turbo. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a whole lot more... And they won't lose as much money either. And they've done their they've done their depreciation, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. 
It's an interesting one. I think all of this is very much horses for courses, isn't it? It's like what fits your lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but I would have a problem with using, I think... Um, well, at the moment, I don't have... Like, my girlfriend doesn't have a car. Right. If she had a car that, like, you could put stuff in... Yeah. Even, like, a up GTI. I'd quite like an up GTI, yeah, GTI secretly. Hilarious. Um, but, like... Uh, you know, the, the Fiesta ST is... is Fiesta ST is, is meant to be banging. Yeah. I really want to drive one. It's really good. Like, <laughs> I, my experience of racing a Citroen C1 has completely revolutionized how i feel about small cars they, right. they can be amazing but if let's say my girlfriend had a car that you could put luggage in yeah my daily car could be a bit less luggagey okay so example, my wife has a mccann turbo there you go it's brilliant it is brilliant so why would you want an rs6 because that's for me <laughs> i just want to indulge in it i just but want to indulge in do you not think that's that's too big for who I mean, don't forget, I live in the middle of the countryside. Yeah, but what are you shipping around? Bags, stuff. <laughs> all sorts of, so, the McCann... Do you feel like you need the space of an R6? So, so here's the thing. If you want to go... I mean, we went down to London in the McCann with the baby. And it was a squeeze. With the pram and all yeah, the bags. Yeah, actually, stuff. not it that actually much space in the back. It's not that big. Um, the reason that... I sold the first one to get a McCann is because Luce wouldn't drive it. She yeah. wouldn't drive it. So I don't blame her. She went from an Audi S1 yeah, tiny, tiny with car. no cares in the world to thinking, I'm going to drive this Brutus yeah, of an R6 with a kid, right? And it's like 600 and God knows how many horsepower. She was just like, no, it's too much It's quite for a scary me. prospect. And I was like, that's fine. That's cool. And it was getting a bit leggy on the mileage and I knew there was a new one coming out. So I thought, let's just part ways get into a, a McCann and just so would the RS6 replace the McCann no I would just I would also have one I just really want, I just love just them like as it. an all rounder I think they're just brilliant yeah I think it, it, living in the middle of the countryside does change stuff a lot, somewhat yeah, yeah. Um, because that's what puts me off getting a bigger car car yeah um, like I could totally like an RS4 and RS6 would suit my life mm. pretty great and not be when I bought them too, wouldn't I think wouldn't have been that far off in mm. terms of use prices, um, and they've done that, you know, like yeah. not that far off. But I don't want a car that wide in London. No, now when I brought when I used to bring my RS6 in to, to town, I was well aware that I was now in town. <laughs> yeah, it's a big car. And then um, actually, if you're in the countryside mm. and you've got your garage and you've got your sports car, yeah, and your other car and let's say you're not super worried about mileage and you're not going that far or whatever mm. if you want the entertaining drive you can just take the sports car yeah I mean bearing in mind I'm just very fortunate that I currently have that the Bentley that's very convenient GT. Bentley like, I would love to have one yeah so for the record I haven't bought that car Bentley have lent it to me as a long termer now how long have you got it for about four months that's sweet it's pretty sweet <laughs> now what I was thinking was when this time to part with this car maybe I'll buy it that's mm. what I was thinking but now I'm like this the next RS6 could be the car that replaces that that car. could be the next long term loaner it could be the next long term loaner but then I couldn't like there's something about that car I'm very passionate about I want to spec it how I want it yeah. and I just want to use it and I don't know let's see how it goes but 
it is different it launched yet. having a car that someone's lent you versus your own car there's some serious pluses to someone lending you a car particularly the mileage I do there's some big yeah. pluses yeah for sure and depreciation and whatever all that jazz but um, it's a lot less worry yeah. driving your own car there's something psychological when you have your own car it just feels right it's yours you know? it's, it's yours whereas when you have a long termer it's just look for me it's opportunities to make content yeah. explore what these cars are like to live with share that with the audience do some cool photo shoots and then pass it on this Bentley I'm falling for it's fantastic mm. and I do wish it was mine and the spec to be honest I probably wouldn't I wouldn't spec it much different unless I spec a completely different theme yeah. of that theme it being tungsten grey yeah. the interior's cricket ball red so it's a very deep red it it's works not like a primary red it's really really nice um, it just does everything and I love being in it but the price difference between that and a fully loaded brand new RS6 oh, massively different. is still huge so let's see let's see how it, how it unfolds yeah. yeah and then you look at the, like the problem with being heavily involved in the car industry mm. and like on my this when I looked at cars I've owned and cars that have cost me the most money yeah. the cars that have cost me the most money overall have been the ones I've bought new mm. and sold soon after um, the expensive yeah, ones new soon is bad <laughs> all of them are worth more now than yeah. I paid for them mm-hmm the GT3 I've just done an absolute blinder with it's worth like yeah it's bang on double or something yeah I've, I've, obviously I've done 20,000 miles so that's done taking a dent out of that but my M2 I've lost loads on if I keep it for an, I'm going to keep it for a longer because yeah. I enjoy it and like pff, don't see any well, need to change it um, but if I was to change it for something else there's some serious man mass that could be done to go okay you could buy something similar but the newer version so let's say whatever, like an M2 CSL or M2, the, mm. in like three years' time, yeah. the next M2. Yeah. And I would lose £15,000 over two years or maybe more. something like Maybe more. Maybe more, yeah. Or you could buy a 991 Turbo S yeah. for significantly more initial outlay but not or payments much. or whatever, but it may not depreciate at all. May not. So it, it could easily be cheaper yeah. to daily oddly, drive oddly. a 911 Turbo S because I don't do tons of miles. No, I've done eight, nine thousand miles in that M2. You know, you know this this small car that you're after with like a really quality in, interior. Mm. How important are back seats for you? Boot space, but not back seats. Not well. I like the idea. If if I had a set. If I had a separate car, a cheap runaround type vehicle that could be used for the stuff that needed to be, at the moment, back seats is not important. Okay. Because in terms of size and quality, Aston Martin Vantage is right up there. Because they're, mm. they are compact. They actually have a huge boot. Yeah. And the interior quality is Aston Martin. Yeah. My only, prob- my only problem with that car <laughs> yeah one I'm not sold on the looks okay I think it's got a good powertrain mm-hmm. I like a lot about it mm-hmm. um, it's going to take some serious hits in the depreciation department that's, that's when to buy one I mean like oh yeah so maybe buy it like, a, like a pre-owned one 
I mean, that's definitely the way to buy one. Yeah. You, you, you don't want to spec one because that then... Unless what are they new? Two time. something? Oh, God, no. They're like, they're like 140. Specs? Yeah. Nah. Yeah, not fully, like, not like Q division, but... Like, what with, no, with like seats. With <laughs> seats and wheels and everything. Yeah. <laughs> no legit. way are they 140. No bring a photo, way. Bring up auto trader and see what... I mean, that auto like, Absolutely no... I'm like, fascinated now. Okay, everyone's going to have to wait a little second. Just wait a little bit. Because I'm fascinated. I dial up. See, I'm spoiled. My I'm spoiled because I got... Oh, I don't have... Um, as well. Can you do it on your phone? Yeah. Have you got your phone? I, yeah. I don't have Wi-Fi on, on this on. guy. I'm back. I'm back. I'm bringing the phone up, my phone up now. Okay, so uh, let's not spec one because that'll take forever. No, just go for like a I'm nearly just gonna new go auto trader price. Piston heads and see what's happening here. So, piston heads. Auto trader. Do you like auto trader? Well, I just think, feel like it has more on it than piston heads, doesn't it? It depends on the car I find. If it's like a more niche, niche. performance car market, uh, maybe I find more. piston heads are a bit more. Anyway, advantage, yeah. I mean, or you could buy an AMG GTS. Yes. Doesn't AMG look GTS. quite as cool, but like, that would... That's still pretty cool. They're cool. They're still very cool. Cool, great engine. But yeah, basically very similar car. platform. <laughs> Bit of a <laughs> pin in Farina, though. Yeah. Um, right, okay. But yeah, that's actually a really good shout. So, um, right, I'm going to do price high to low. No, low to high. Okay, fine. High low to, to low. Low to high, you'll get yeah, yeah, V8 yeah, yeah. just from like 2008. Yeah, like 30 grand. Right, there's great a, buy. There's okay, so there's there's one here, and it looks like Aston Martin somewhere, Hertfordshire. Five hundred and seventy-five miles. Yeah, one hundred thirty grand. What? Yeah. Right. Does there. it say what the list price was? It can't be that much more than Maybe, that. Is it, it in the description? Let's check it out. Vehicle. Vehicle description. No, it doesn't say. One hundred thirty thousand pounds. But they're not. That's way less bonkers. than I thought. Uh, genuinely, I thought I had the feeling that you spec one to like a spec that you would want, and they're like 185. I think you you can achieve that for sure, but they they were never quite as expensive as 570s, which is right. around about that yes. price. Okay, I mean, here I go. Okay, yeah. So in like a couple of years, two years time, we yeah. just found a punching one. Yeah, this one's nice. Aston Martin West Berkshire has a V8 Vantage Coupe 2018, 1,000 miles, 128,950. And it's in this like proper Tell you what, that's, titanium. That's looking. less than I thought they were going to be. I thought they were just silly, silly, silly price. Look at this. Magnetic silver, it's called. And it, it really is stunning. When I get home, I'm going to go and spec yeah, one yeah. to see what they are. <laughs> Look at that. I'm not going to buy one, but... Oh, how good does that Oh, look? that is... This is really nice. That's the one really, he's just brought up is, is yeah, really this is nice. like cool silver. Deep, dark, works. Heavy metallic silver. Oh, yeah. Nice upgraded wheels. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And inside it's all Aston Martin... This is banging. ...leather. And it's small, and it's compact, and okay. it's quality, and it drives... So, well. right. It's got a big boot. Fast forward another year and a half when I've... Yeah. Knock another thing. Driven the M2. Knock, like, 40 off. <laughs> yeah. This, this, I think this will be like 100 or yeah. sub 100. Good to go, man. Get get that warranty. Yeah, you could smoke around in that like a boss, like a boss. Yeah, and it'll be it'll 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 be it'll have more legs to it than an AMG GT, just because the styling is more timeless. Yeah, the GT the will eventually become a little bit longer the tooth, whereas that will. I think look like the AMG Martin. GT of today 
yeah. will be the C63 of tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Because they made a lot of them and they're coming amount. down. Although I do like the GTR. AMG GTR is brilliant. Oh, that's really cool. I like that car. Yeah. I, I wish I'd bought one. Yeah, very, very cool. Because you could have smoked around in that. Black Series is going to be like. Oh, yeah. But it won't, just won't be as cool as the SLS because A, it won't have Goldwing doors. The AMG GTR is a really cool car, though. It's a really cool car. I love it. I love that car. Yeah. That's like a GT3. And it's interesting. Contender. Yeah, and you talk to people that have owned them. Like, Tim loves it. Tim, loves I mean, it uh, Tim and I, we definitely have different mindsets on what cars we like. Yeah. I think he's slowly coming over to my way, which and I would say is the GT3. right way. He was like, oh, but he, I'm not, I'm not he like, absolutely loves the GTR. And I can imagine yeah. in a day-to-day, just normal experience without an exhaust, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got that big, it. like, just huge insane torque. v8 yeah with like 800 horsepower you see for road trips it's brilliant that car loads of space brilliant big pop in the back effortless torque space reliability MG gtr I mean, that's that, gonna go down as a car that's gonna be one for sure isn't it and they look amazing now i'm gonna bring up the prices like there's a let's just have a look at this and they're not that much let's have a look at this oh, okay they're not a small amount of money but they're no. so like piston heads they're priced <laughs> I'd rather have an AMG GTR than a 488, personally. That's, that is a bold one, but you probably... Personally. Just personally. Yeah. I, I have more want for an AMG GTR than I have... I have basically no want for a 488. Yeah, I, I would have rather have no a Speciality. I'd still... 100%. I could... 100%. I think I'd still have a... In fact, I would still have a Speciality over a Pista, in fact. Yeah, 100%. For sure. Right, AMG GTRs are expensive but how much is an AMG GTR no not one, much 130 yeah not much different to that not much different to that's the like list advantage so there's a black no sorry yeah a black one here no that's 150 AMG GTR yellow 150 there's quite a few of them I think okay, in, so in about a year's expensive. time I think most people will shift them list price they were like 130 oh, are they there's one here, AMG GT. The blue ones look. Is that right? A hundred miles, a hundred and forty grand. Don't get me wrong, it's big coin, but it looks the business. Look at that. But okay, so one part of this is the mindset of like, yeah, they're cool. Yeah, they're cool. So you like that? You like that color? I do like that I color. I like that color. Um, do you know it? Do you remember they launched one in? It was like a, it was a a satin metallic grey yeah man that looked cool that's like mandatory straight to NVM PPF that's straight in here man <laughs> we got you if you want to go satin bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah I could stealth one out it would look amazing but okay right so let's say let's say you do the man maths mm. and you actually work out it's it's actually going to be cheaper to own one of these cars like a <laughs> 911 turbo or something probably not <laughs> yeah yeah uh, Aston Martin Vantage but you never know but yeah. let's say that works out you're still daily driving a let's say let's just pick a value £100,000 car as opposed to a £40,000 car yeah that might affect I don't know whether that like gets in your brain yeah it does man that's quite a lot of coin isn't it it's just when it's like sitting there on the street and someone scratches it but t- I mean you're living in and out of London as well yeah, that's if I was parked on the drive, that's very different. It is very but also different. turning up places. Yeah. I don't. I like not arriving as like a blah. This is so and so, whatever. Yeah, I am. Turn it's up like, in a Zonda. <laughs> like, 
You know, like if you turn up in yeah, just that. a car, yeah. people just go like, oh, it's just that guy. <laughs> it's just that dude. Yeah. Yeah. A Normally it means is the, uh, the door to the dealership remains locked. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get in. You're like, oh, I don't want to buy a car. I'm like, nah, mate. Nah, mate. Turn up in a Passat. Right then. How long have we been talking for now? I think that's about time. We've uh, we've got to shift on. We are we're actually at. Have you just turned on the? No, that's the compressor of the 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 airline system in NBN. It it recompresses itself every now and again. Oh, yeah. well, it, it, maybe it does it about about every two and a half hours. We're on two hours eleven, and I think that's pretty good going. That is pretty good going. I think that's cap. a similar yeah. length to the last one. Good. It's weird because when we got to about 45 minutes, I was like, yeah. okay, I think we're probably going to wrap it up now. Yeah. And then, oh, another topic. Oh, another yeah. topic. Oh, there Okay, we've got to go because it's, it's, it's like noises. gas hose is going it's off. It's making noises. And um, yeah. got to go get some dinner cool. before reconvening tomorrow. <laughs> let's, let's, let's see where we are when we do the next one because as we started with, things have evolved. Things have changed. Look at this. This didn't exist yeah, last time. behind for those videos. Pretty cool. People. Who knows? Sam might be driving an AMG GTR next time we see him, or or, yeah. or even a Vantage. Or even a, a Vantage. New, a new Vantage. I would love to drive <laughs> both of these cars. So Mercedes, if you're listening, yeah. and Aston Martin. Let's let's. I think McLaren ain't lending me a car anytime soon. Arrange a road trip. That'd be good. We could we could back to back a GTR and a Vantage. Well, we've done some great road trips. Yeah. And this is one of those. We need to put it together because I can bring the photos. Do okay, the video. I'll, br- I'll bring the video. You bring the camera, and let's let's make some good content. Yeah. As always, thanks for watching. <laughs> I shall see you next Ciao. time. Ciao. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.